Hey folks, what's going on? Welcome to another week's Live Life Christmas show. And it is Sincere Hogan and Mike Mahler and a little bit of an echo. Is that you, Mike? Or is that the other Mike? I don't think it's mine. <laughs> Not mine. Mine is echoing a little bit on my side. Is it echoing on your side? No. Okay. <laughs> so, well, come on, man. This sounds like a Jamaican mixtape right now, man. With all this <laughs> echo going on in the background. Fuck, like I'm in a dance hall. <laughs> it'll, prob- it'll probably wean off as we record on. It's just the way the show goes, man. But anyway, yeah, before we get to our guest today, and he's a fun guest, really cool guy. He's got a great comedy magic show here in town. Funny guy. And he's also a big MMA fan, so I'm sure we'll be talking about the UFC and some other fun stuff. But before we get to him, just wanted to give a shout-out to some people that have been allowing a lot of you cheap-ass, good-for-nothings to listen to the show for free. <laughs> They've been using that coupon code LLA to get 10% off so that you cheapos get to listen to it for free. Yeah, you know who you are, and I am calling you out. And if you have a problem with that, you can email me and tell me you're one of those people, and then we'll give you a shout-out. So of a I different kind. I, I double-dare you. Go ahead and email me and say, you know what, Mike, I'm one of those guys who's never supported the show. I just listen to it for free because it's great, but I'm not going to spend a dime on any products and services. And we'll make sure to give you a shout-out on the next episode. Okay, but for this episode, Mike, Michael Ashiro, Henry Kohler, Carl Mathis, Daniel Brumbach, Brian McCabe, Chet Sandberg, Ethan Dennis have all been using that coupon code LLA to support us buying products and services. And uh, anything else going on on your end, Sincere, with, with – Yeah, Patreon, man. Um, Patreon? I, yeah, I, I got to play catch up on Patreon for the folks who are also supporting the show on a monthly basis by going over to patreon.com slash LLA podcast. I want to give a shout out to Sam Byrne, Robert Russell, Zach Wilgen, Matt Kleinmeyer, also to Aino. Got some vowels missing in your last name, buddy. <laughs> I feel like you went on with a fortune and ran out of money. Couldn't buy a vowel, but uh, it's Aino Shepard Burt. I'm going to leave it at that. You know who you are. There's not that many Aino's in the world, I know. <laughs> Peeler Melaziski, also Harry Brown, and our good friend Nurse Freya Hansen over there in the land down under. All you guys supporting the Great. show on a monthly basis over on patreon.com slash LLA podcast. And don't forget, this upcoming month of patreon all the contributors out there mike and i are not going to use that money to take care of the housekeeping production all the other good stuff that goes on over here with the show we're going to actually use that this next this next time with patreon to actually help a friend of ours and you guys we talked about in the last show our friend jason iborg who is also a guest on the show but he right now he's he and his family are taking on cancer right now and so we're using all of our patreon for the next coming month and we're sending it over to jace to help him because look man this man's main source of income was being a personal trainer being a coach up there and he can't do that right now because he's you know taking on this crappy ass disease that just showed up and and right now he's the breadwinner of the family so he can't work right now and those bills are not cheap and he's a man with a wife and three children so we're going to do our part to help him out. And then we, you know, we thank all you guys that have reached out and gone to the GoFundMe page that his sister set up for him and yeah. donated over there as well. We truly appreciate that. I know he truly appreciates it. But, you know, the, the fight's not over. So if you haven't stepped up yet, and please do so. Anything that you can contribute will help. Anything. $5, $500, $5,000, all that helps out. So don't think like, well, man, I don't have that much money. I can't really, you know, I can't. all I can do is give like 10 bucks. I know that won't help him. Yes, the hell it will. So you step it up and, you know, do that. And like I said, you can do it in a multiple uh, way of doing it. So you can do it by going over to that GoFundMe page and by supporting us on Patreon. That money's going toward him. You know, we're helping him out with that. And also when you buy our products, we're still we're still donating. 
you know, Mike and I have donated, but we're still donating. So one way or the other. So, but I feel like, you know, really step up, go over to the GoFundMe page. And that link is in the show notes. Um, just like I put in the show notes last week. And it's going to be in the show notes until he gets this thing beat. So, yeah. And for those of us in the fitness community, it's important for us to step up and help out one of our own when he's mm-hmm. in trouble because so many of our, in our business, not, not only are they not, willing to help out others they're not even reciprocal so let's mm-hmm. let's turn that trend around and really help out a guy here in need exactly exactly and because at the end of the day you never know <laughs> Come on, you yeah. never know I mean, think about yeah that's a good way to put it actually sincere think about if you were in that situation i mean think about how good jace must feel to see all those people coming in and all the nice notes and the donations and the money I mean, he sent us both a couple emails saying man this is incredible i didn't expect any of this you know it's got to be nice to feel that, to, to see that glimmer of, to see that silver lining when you're dealing with this terrible disease. Exactly. When you're working hard, man, and you got your, you know, your head down and you're putting in work, man, you're not really paying attention yeah. to who's all watching you or whatever. But then things like this happen, and then you yeah. realize, like, wow, there's actually more people out there with their eyes on me and actually they give a damn about me than I thought. You know, whereas the flip side of that, you got people who are walking around grandstanding on social media like they're superstars. Hey, everybody look at me. And you should well, look you at know, me. Here's something that <laughs> me. I'm glad you brought that yeah. up because, you know, here's something. And I, I've, I've been very critical of Facebook and social media in general for a lot of reasons. And I'm not going to be repetitive on what I've said previously. But over the weekend, Dr. Mark Gordon, who goes out of his way to help soldiers with PTSD, right? He's been mm-hmm. on our show. He's been on Joe Rogan's show. He sent me a clip of one of the guys he's helped out, a, a very compelling lecture this soldier gave on how he felt and then how Dr. Gordon has helped him. Mm-hmm. Really interesting lecture. So I put it up on Facebook, got a couple likes, got a couple views, one share. And then meanwhile, <laughs> some of our friends are putting up pictures of themselves in their panties and getting a million views and shares and likes <laughs> and so forth. It just goes to show you what's wrong with that right there. The nutshell tells you exactly what's wrong with our fucking society. Man. It's like, here's a guy who put his ass on the line literally for our freedom. And here's a clip on, on how Dr. Somebody. Mark Gordon helped him and how you can help other soldiers. And who shares it? No it's much. It's much. Meanwhile, someone put their ass online, and then yeah. it got more attention. So yeah, I have 25,000 fucking likes on my Facebook page. Like One guy shared it. One person commented. And I know it's the weekend, and I know it's slower, but still, some chick put up a fucking topless pic. That would have been like on, the, on CNN. That would have been a news feed. It's fucking exactly. pathetic. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, it's just pathetic, man. I could. I mean, we, let's do our own episode soon because I'm going to rant hard <laughs> on, this, on this shit. I mean, the, the good thing is, you know, thanks to Facebook, when it actually like shows some good, is the situation that has helped Jace out big time. You know, and how everybody's rallied together and shared the episode, uh, not just shared the episode we were talking well, about. Well, I wonder but, how many. I wonder how many donations have come from people who saw it on Facebook, though. Yeah, that's always a good question. You know, or Twitter. I, d- I doubt too many. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you, man, because exactly. I shared it with people personally. Those people have donated, you know. Right, same here. You did, yeah, you did that too. I saw a bunch. I saw your wife and your your, her, your sister-in-law. I saw a bunch of people that you know donating, and John Hines, friends of ours. You know, these are people I shared with personally. In terms of Facebook, for all we know, two people who saw the message. <laughs> Yeah, so here's the deal. Donate. A like, a like is not going to help pay his bills. No, okay? it doesn't do dick. <laughs> a like I'm is not going to keep on the lights. So think about that. So yeah. again, you know, again, we we'll just make this and we'll wrap it up like this. You got the show notes. Look in there. You'll see the link. And then when you hear this, 
You won't have to feel bad like, shit, I wonder if they're talking about me. You won't have to worry about that. Usually the person that said, I wonder if they're talking about me. Yeah, we're talking about you. You know what's <laughs> funny about the show notes, Shasir? One guy, one guy hit me up on Twitter. He's like, hey, I haven't listened to the episode yet with Michael Friedman, but what do you mean by this line? I was like, the whole point of the – I was like, I was like, Sincere doesn't put all that laborious work into writing show notes so that we can have a discussion about it. Listen to the episode, man. Then you don't, then, then you don't have to ask me. Isn't that great? Let me tell you, dude. When I worked in the music industry and I had to like pass out like flyers or whatever, you had somebody flyer there. Oh, so when's uh, when's this gonna be? <laughs> if it's like for an event, they're like, oh, so what what night is this, dude? It's on the flyer. Read the flyer. he's holding the flyer. I'm like, seriously. <laughs> So that's what that guy reminds me of right there, man. Oh, jeez. Uh, anyway. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have more discussions like this as we get to our guest. Yeah. And our, our guest today is a friend of mine. He actually lives in my neighborhood out here in Las Vegas. So I, I run across him all the time, walking the dogs. Really interesting guy. Very successful entrepreneur. His name is Mike Hammer. He has a show at the Four Queens. It's a comedy magic show. And it sounds kind of cheesy, but keep this in mind. Keep this in mind. Mike holds the record for making more panties disappear. <laughs> At the Spearmint Rhino, <laughs> and even David Copperfield, he broke his record. So we're going to discuss how you can use magic to make panties disappear. And I know Sincere and myself have, you know, we've had our share of making panties disappear. <laughs> but that's a different story. <laughs> Mike is also a he also does. He was also on the Penn and Teller show recently. He's he's done. He has his hands in a lot of things. He makes appearances at MMA events. He's done some ring announcing. He's he's been on some different radio shows. So without any further ado, Mike, how you doing today? I am most proud of the uh, panty disappearing act. To be honest with you, <laughs> as you should be. Uh, I, I, yeah, well, you know when when Guinness sent me the record last week, I was like so excited about it. I mean, those girls at the, at the Rhino, old bottomless, had no clue how you did. They're just standing there. <laughs> Mike's in like, take that, Gene Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, man, you were on the Penn and Teller show recently. How did that happen? Last week, uh, well, I got a call. Actually, it's it, it's the one of the consultants that works with Penn and Teller. Also, uh, you know, they have a new TV show, Fool Us. It's new. Um, it's new here in in the states. They actually started it in England, and it's where um, people go on and they try and fool Penn and Teller. You know, they present their own uh, you know trick or whatever it would be, and uh, they try and fool, if you could fool Penn and Teller, I guess you get to open up their show. Well, I don't cast. I know you get to open up a sh- uh, for them during their live show here in Las Vegas, and um, <clears throat> and then you get a trophy that it the show the name of the show is Fool Us, but the trophy. Mm-hmm. It says uh, it looks like it just says F U because the the O O L it's like full just the F and the U stand out you know on the trophy so it's it's great because when you hold it up and walk, walk across the the stage it says F U you know I thought it was brilliant but um, so I, I got that because one of their consultants that works with them also works with me on my show so um, you know they asked me if I want to participate be part of the show and I said sure so I went on there last week I, I actually. I specifically went on to entertain them because I figured they would know what I'm going, you know, how I'm going to do what I'm going to do because, you know, like I said, we we work with some of the same people, so you know, it's uh, I I figured they probably would know how I do what I do. So yeah, be careful when you say you went on there to entertain them. That can be taken out of context. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is this is Las Vegas. We know what people do around here. Entertain people, move up the chain. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I, 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 no, I know the guys pretty well, actually. I mean, they're they're, they're really great guys, but. Uh, 
so you know it, it was really fun though. I went on and uh, uh, I actually did a routine with a blow up doll so no but also to be clear to the audience this is you're not like some unknown guy where this is your big break I mean you're already very successful you have your own show in town so let, let's get into that how did you yeah. how did you get that show well, I've been doing my own show a little over five years now, which in this town is a long time. I know it doesn't sound oh, yeah, long. No, no yeah. doubt. Right. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, if you don't if you don't fill up a room in this town, then forget it's it. It's a wrap. That's no, it's very difficult. A lot of people. Um, there's been a lot of shows these days where, because most of these rooms now they're they're all four walls where you know you rent out the space, and the problem is they're they're usually. They're usually gone within a couple of months. I mean, they don't realize a lot of these people. They think, uh, like, like any business, you know, just because you even with what you you know you're doing, you don't just open up shop and people come running. It takes a long time oh, yeah. and a great product to get people there. And well, I mean, someone uh, was asking me the other day. They go, "Hey, I'm thinking about selling my own nutrition supplements. Do you have any advice?" I'm like, "Yeah, spend a decade building your brand and name first, right, <laughs> and then start selling them <laughs> because that's what I did." So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know how you would do it honestly. Like if someone came to me and said, "Hey, I want to sell supplements," I go, "Well, look, this is how I did it, and it wasn't predetermined, it wasn't planned, it wasn't premeditated. Rather, it just happened that way." Now, if I were some unknown and I came across what became my testosterone booster and I wanted to start selling it, that would have yeah. been extremely difficult. Well, and what's funny is with 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 the testosterone booster booster is just an example you really care about your products i mean i've talked to you many times but you still you know what i mean people look i talk to people constantly and you have to you know trust someone with what they do but i remember i went back and i saw a video you had online of it and uh, you know discussing it and and it's really interesting because on the internet there's so much feedback that you can get right away. So when other people are also saying the product works, you know what I mean? Not just you, of course, but you get really good feedback. But yeah, it takes all that experience to, to get that. I'm like, okay, well, you know, obviously you're not lying. It's not like you need to make a living selling testosterone booster, you know? No, <laughs> no, no, you're right, though. It's like uh, any, any success is the, conver- is the converging of many events, right? Yeah. Like with me, I got, in, I got into the fitness business. I developed a name as a kettlebell instructor. And then at the same time, a, a concurrent path is I started researching hormone optimization for my own personal benefit. I wasn't yeah. even thinking about it it becoming a part of my business yeah and then it did become a part of my business because people were very hungry for this information and then i I never thought that would lead to supplements with my own label on it but it all did so i mean i whenever people ask me like you know what are what are where do you see yourself in four years or what are your plans i go i don't think that way i go i i have pure confidence in myself and my abilities to take Mm -hmm. charge of whatever happens so i don't worry about where i'm going to be in five ten twenty years because i believe in myself yeah. yeah, it's always funny. I'm thinking like, dude, there's no such thing. When I whenever I hear this, I crack up. Like, yeah, he's an overnight uh, overnight success. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. like. Well, look here, dude. Unless he, unless he's the only person like overnight success is like the chick that sleeps with the NBA player and gets pregnant by him that one night for that one night stand, and now even she's got 18 years of good that, child even support. That, well, even that took a lot of work. Yeah, she had to get good in the sack. You know, she, had, she had to get her technique dialed in. You know? <laughs> well, actually. 
that it's, the, the funny thing about that is, but then they're only an overnight success for, you know, you forget about them after a time. So, Unless they're uh, Kardashian, who won't let you forget them. Like, like Lewinsky, right? You know, she was. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's, she still had, she's still desperate to hold on to any kind of notoriety, but nobody cares what she has to say anymore. Yeah. It's like, he hasn't been, it's like Clinton has, a, he's, that's two presidents ago, okay? We don't care yeah. <laughs> right. about that incident. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny because you ask, it's with my situation, um, people, I, I mean, I get emails and calls all the time. Uh, you know, how did you get your show? You know, I'm, I'm moving to Vegas. Um, can you give me some advice? Well, first of all, <laughs> can I give you some advice? So let me give you direct advice how to be my competition, number one. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but also, um, I, I didn't just get a room like that. You know, I've been, I've been actually, um, I've been actually in this business for, how 25 plus years and you know i i I traveled and i did corporate work and colleges on the road and i've done so many things the room didn't just come about you know about overnight you're always working man you're walking the dogs and you're cutting deals on your cell phones you're walking around i mean you you work hard man there's no doubt about that it's ridiculous and then you have to spend the time just to keep the you know keep keep you know keep the show and, and and get people in there constantly you know people forget you know they you know you can't really well, that, that, that's a good question. What do mm-hmm. you do to fill the room each night? You know, fortunately, at, at this point, um, I, I do have a lot of word of mouth out there, so that's good. But I've also got like a, uh, I've got a little marketing team behind me. That, you know, some f- folks that I pay that, um, that that you know keep putting my information out there in different places. Well, the, you know, the casino we're constantly advertising in and around Fremont Street because I'm downtown. So yeah, that, that makes it that makes it tougher though, right? Because <coughs> yeah, most people, yeah. yeah, most people are are staying at the Luxor and Mandalay Bay and Paris and City they, Center. They so, are. I get about ninety percent of my business comes from the Strip, but I mean they do come down there, which actually I, I'm pretty honored that people go out of their way to come see me. I mean, you know, because that is. A little bit of a, you know, it's a little a cab ride, if not. Well, at the same time, yeah. Fremont Street is real Las Vegas. Like, yeah. if you want to see real Las Vegas, you don't go to the fucking Pyramid Luxor. You go to Fremont Street <laughs> because that feels like a real city. Yeah, that's what like, you saw go, in the movies Fremont, back in the yeah, day, exactly. you know, with the Sinatra and all those no, guys. When I go to Fremont, it feels like a real right. place. It's not this big cartoon land like the Strip <laughs> is. No, but that's what Vegas has become, and that's what people come down here for. So you still have to talk them into going down there. But but the Fremont Street's interesting because there's there's a lot of free entertainment now as far as bands. Oh yeah. So there's a some great bands are down there. Big now. names, man. Big oh, names yeah. play oh, there yeah. for free all the time. All the time. And but the, for me, you know what? It, it it's sort of like I guess your business. You know, you just you do a good job, but you just hope. People like what you do, and I think if you put the time into what you do, you're, you're going to have a fan base. And well, I, have- I think the most important thing is is I only push things that I'm interested in. So it's it's not a it's not difficult for me to be enthusiastic about what I do. Is where I'm right. like my testosterone booster, I fucking use it. Like I'm on week four right now, and, and I'm like, man, I love week four because that's when you feel the full benefits. I mean, I feel it on the first dose because of one of the ingredients, Makuna, that works with the, a brain chemical called dopamine. But yeah. ar- around week three or four, that's when you feel it in the gym. You're like, man, everything feels light. I feel strong. I feel it. Yeah. Endurance is up. The only negative is like anything in a skirt looks good. During <laughs> <laughs> this week, man. This is where you're walking around. You're like, yeah, you know, she's 70, but that's okay. You know? She's breathing. <laughs> Still a woman. <laughs> 
sincere. Do you, do you agree with that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Trust me. But the good thing is I'm married. So it's more like my wife is like, stop. Can't, aren't you supposed to be cycling off? Shouldn't you be taking EC now and back up off me? Because I have things. She's like, I have things to do. And I don't get to work from home like you do. I'm like, well, you don't have to go to work today. You own the company. <laughs> so like, <laughs> sincere, but like, what do you think of that girl over there, Paulette? And Paulette's like, you mean the cafeteria worker? <laughs> <laughs> hey, free food for life, baby. What are you talking about? That chicken fried steak. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. No, so I mean, I think you're very enthusiastic about what you do. I mean, the, stuff, the material you come up with, I'm guessing, is stuff that you would wouldn't mind seeing as an audience member you know it believe it or not that's how i try and think it's really difficult sometimes because i you can't always put yourself in the in the mind frame of an audience person because you know we view ourselves in a skewed light and not always the best you know it's like yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm more critical on myself than anybody else but um it, you know so but i do i try and think of things that would be interesting i, I also try and get feedback from uh, other people i trust in the industry you know it's funny i'll have an idea sometimes and i'll be like oh man this is such a great thing i want to do this you know this particular thing on stage and then uh you know these guys i consult with they're like well it actually doesn't fit your personality at all and you know like, <laughs> and they're like, ah but it's so cool and they're like yeah but it's not you i'm like oh bummer you know but because you know we have different sides to ourselves but you have right. to stay consistent i'm I'm known for being – I'm very sarcastic with the audience. I, I used to be called like the Don Rickles of magic because I'm just <laughs> constantly ripping on the audience. And so sometimes it's hard to do some slower-paced things. Like I'll get an idea and I'll be like, oh, this is good. Like mentalism is part of magic in a sense. Right. Um, I mean that's what it is. There's no – yeah, people get pissed when and, you uh, say it. What, what, what is that mentalism? Mentalism, it's kind of like, you know when you hear these psychics, they're going to tell you, read your mind. Yeah. Tell you right. your, it's, it's that type of thing but – I've been, but it's really just magic. It's a, it's a trick, basically. And yeah. these people pay money to go see these psychics. That's all cold reading. It's just uh, <laughs> they, they lump you into a, a category and then they guess a lot. Exactly. Psychics are like, you may have success in the future, or you may not. Somebody, well, I always said it, it may rain I'm, next week, or it may not. I'm <laughs> sensing you're having money troubles. Well, I just paid you ten dollars to give me a psychic reading. What does that tell you? Now I'm ten dollars. I have ten less dollars in my pocket. Right, right, right. Einstein. Well, here the the, the, the worst is uh, someone will tell me, "Oh yeah, I just went to psychic. Oh my god, she just told me she knew everything." She they go, "She just told me that my that my brother was sick and that I had that." And I go, well, "What did you need to go to a psychic for? You already knew all these things." Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Why don't they tell you? What are the lottery numbers? That's the first exactly. Exactly. Tell me something I don't know. Tell me what well, I'm not legally bound to do that. I cannot do that. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you should know if you're going to get arrested or not if you tell me. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not ethical, right? But, um, <laughs> but, but, so it's really funny because – but I love the style of mentalism. Trying to, because it does, people, they're always so amazed. And that's more psychic. But, but you know, where, where you get someone and you're like, oh, yeah, 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 go ahead. You know, hold the dollar bill up in front of you. I'm going to tell you what those digits are. You know, and it's, yeah. it's very interesting no, stuff. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. It, but it has to have a pace, and that's where – I brought in the blow-up doll in my show, so <laughs> I turned it. Actually, it was like a, a mind-reading thing, but with a, a blow-up doll. It was a real good choice to do that, you know. So, a little awkward practicing with it. But do you, do you ever have audience members who get pissed off? You know, it's like you rip on someone. It's like, hey, screw you, man. Nah, you have the hecklers. <laughs> you, you don't have audience members who do that. Like, there's just some heckler who's just like, you know what, man, you suck. You know that kind of. Very few. Very few people really try to heckle me. I think they're, believe it or not, I, I have such a, uh, 
a quick you know I'm a small guy but I, I have a quick pace and and I I really pick on the bigger guys usually anyway you know I'm not it's not like I have to be the bully you know right but um not too often I think they get it that I, I that I'm kidding occasionally you get a heckler but I, I'm fine with that I, I I've worked some tough comedy clubs well, what do you what do you do when you have hecklers I just rip on them back so <laughs> <laughs> or occasionally I'll bring them on stage but but the, it's a whole it's actually a completely different art form in itself because there's the guy that'll heckle but who's doesn't mean to be mean they just think they're helping the show you know they they just think they're funny you know uh they're not against you necessarily but but the term heckling you know they're just yelling out loud something just cuz they you, think they're being funny you, and yeah. and and that's fine because the easiest way to get rid of that person the only thing that's what makes a joke funny is is timing, yeah. and it, yeah. it, it's timing and uh, and the um, and typically because it, it's an unexpected comment that you're making that's what right. makes something right. funny. It's a surprise. Right. Right. So like, what I do, the time the timing is so important. Well, it's everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so I mean, I you, you guys make it look easy because the rest of us who try to do that who are not professionals, <laughs> we, we don't get the timing right. It's crickets. <laughs> well, I think a lot of the problems, like like I've listened to you guys on the. And your show, you have very funny moments, but it comes out of a natural conversation. Mm-hmm. What's difficult sometimes is being on stage, and a lot of guys can't make it natural. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. exactly. There, you can't try to be funny on stage. There's no way you either write the material or, or. But with me, it's spontaneous. But if someone does heckle, because those things are so important, time well, timing's the number one. I throw their timing off by saying, I, "I'll act like, excuse me, like I didn't hear them." <laughs> <laughs> and they won't repeat it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good. They're either afraid or, or the second time it's not going to be funny at all. And then you could be like, yeah, I'll do the jokes, you know. So yeah. Um, or, or but 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 a lot of times. I mean, I mean, we'll have hecklers at workshops. It's different though. It, it'll you'll say something and then someone will kind of wh- like kind of chuckle and then whisper something that a person next to them. Yeah. And, I, and I'll I'll lock that down. I'm like, oh, re-? I was like, what was that? Did you have something you wanted to share with us? They rarely repeat it. They rarely no, yeah, exactly. Oh, they'll, they'll be like, oh, no, oh, I'm good. No, you're good. I'm, I'm oh, I'm sorry. But that's the same kind of thing because I get that stuff too. Sometimes I play off of it though. I'll, I'll joke around sometimes and I'll act like a guy did say something even though he said something else. You know, so. <laughs> Because I'll hear it and I'll, and I'll go, I'm the asshole. You know, <laughs> that's not what I said. I saw a funny clip on on one of your, I think it was on your website where you're trying to get some volunteers to come up and you're walking around the room and people are all turning their head away and you're like, turning away from me does not make me see you, see you any less. <laughs> exactly. no, yeah, yeah. That's hilarious when people do that. Because you're looking the other way doesn't mean I can't see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, great. I used to correlate that to, um, I'm a little joke. You know when you, you know, I, I tell them. I, I had a my niece. She she likes to play this game where she covers her eyes. You can't see me. You can't see me. Like, you know, so I punch her in the face. What'd you do that for? Oh, I did not see you. <laughs> but uh, but no, you know, it, it's fun though. But that, for me, I don't mind. I I I like the audience involvement. It keeps me going. It's it's interesting. Um, and you guys would like it too. I mean, look. You, you know, you have your seminars and stuff. Well, you, even your radio, if the other guys, that, sometimes, I mean, yes, if you have something that uh, a speech you're giving, you don't want to be interrupted. But but sometimes it, it helps move things along, you know, to, to get a, a different. It does. It, it does. I'm neutral with it. right? Like, I've given lectures before where someone shouts out something and then I'll work with that. Right. It, yeah. it never throws me off where I'm stumbled or I like right. I don't know what to say next. I'll. <laughs> If people do it, I can work with it. If they don't do it, I can work with that too. Yeah. So, so that that just comes from years and years of public speaking. Exactly. Right? You just get confident. You know, I've gone blank every single time I've given a lecture. I've had a moment where I went blank. 
<laughs> and the first time that happened when I was in my early 20s, I panicked. But when it happens now, I just either make a joke about it or I just give myself a second to think about what I'm going to say next. Or I'll even ask the audience. I'm like, you know what? I forgot what I was saying. What was exactly. What am I talking about? What, what, what was I just talking about? <laughs> Left it. Oh, okay, great. Thanks. And then I just go on. So that just that just comes to practice. Hello? We lose oh, you? Oh, okay. <laughs> that was the moment. <laughs> what were you saying again, Mike? <laughs> leptin, man, leptin. That's going to be the safe word from now on, man. Remember that. <laughs> Serenity now. Serenity now. <laughs> oh, man. So, I mean, you have the show at the Four Queens, right? And what were you doing before that? Because I know you had another gig with a partner. Where was that at? Well, I was doing a lot of uh, corporate work, basically. Okay, like, that's right. For the conventions in town. I did a, a team show for about eight, nine years called Spike and Hammer. And it's very, it did very difficult. It's comedy. It was a comedy magic team. It's very difficult to, to do team uh, shows in this. But, you know, people have their own lives. And it's, it's, sometimes you have to be on the same plane. It was fine. Uh, the guy went through a divorce, had some things going on in his own career. So, you know, his own life. So... I kind of branched off, did my own thing, but uh, you know, it's it, it, it's tough, especially in the entertainment business. There's so many, you know, there's so many periods where you go through, where man, where's that next job going to come from? You right. Know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it must be hard to stay relevant because there's always new talent coming through. People want novelty, and so it doesn't. Be, it must be very difficult. Like someone like Carrot Top has had that residency show forever, and that yeah. and, and his show takes a lot of work because it's all props, right? That's so that's that's a lot of mental. Whether you like his show or not, that's a lot of mental work. And then you got these other guys who are kind of just they actually are just popping up when you have shows like America's Got Talent and things like that. And so yeah. people yeah. see these guys on these reality shows, and then all of a sudden now, like, oh, I'm going to go to his, He's in Vegas now. I'm going to go to his show. Where those guys have been in Vegas working for years. It's like, well, damn. Well, <laughs> you you're, you're 100% correct on that. It's very interesting because there's a guy that won on uh, uh, one recently on America's Got Talent and I think last season, and mm-hmm. he's got a show coming out in August, and I'm really yeah. excited to see if it's going to how he's going to make the transition because a lot of these guys go from it's kind of like you they weren't doing this professionally you know they have a they have a bit you know a couple bits that work in a few minutes on television yeah exactly. and and a lot of that by the way when you get far enough they're actually assisting you in the production on that show uh you know you've got yeah. consultants you're working with it's not just you it's a whole team and right I, it, i'm very curious to see the transition uh how people make it work to a live show it's completely different because you know, you you're on. First of all, you got to carry someone for an hour. There's a lot of acts I see on America's Got Talent. I'm like, wow, that that guy's really talented. But would I want to watch an hour of this? Exactly. Right, so he's right. good for five minutes, and you know, especially some of the guys who keep winning every week, and then you start to really see, like, oh, okay. And then those votes start falling off. Like, yeah, those first five minutes when you saw them the first time, they were great. But here we are in week six. Five yeah, yeah so week six now, which is the equivalent of thirty minutes now, and you can't even vote for this guy anymore after thirty minutes <laughs> when you total that all up. So I got, call, I got I got called to be on that show by the producers actually four years in a row. They've called mm-hmm. me, and the only reason I never went on well, two reasons. Number one, um, they really lock you into this contract. Like if you if you get it, you you pretty much aren't doing anything on your own. And and I didn't mm-hmm. want that to be in conf- a conflict with what I do on my regular stage show because that. 
they lock you in whether or not they're getting you work or not. You know, yeah. Yeah. Plus, plus yeah. I mean, you already have a show, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I'll mean, take a million dollars. That'd be fun. yeah. That, that's that's true. That's true. So that if that's there, but I mean, someone like you, you're already well established. Yeah. So it's, it's not the same appeal as someone who's more up and coming. Well, that's true. And the other thing that's not really the strength for for me is because I, I do have this style where I rip on the audience at, at the time you know your auditions they used to be 90 seconds and and my style you know they could turn on you in 90 seconds in my show I'm not worried about it because most people are coming to see me but I don't you know that I don't know how they would it's all about editing on TV too you don't know oh, how they're yeah. gonna promote it or you yeah. know whatever they're gonna do so I just said eh, you know what it's not for me so you know, you know who really rips on the audience? Vinny Favorito over here. Oh, I like that yeah. guy is hilarious, man. Yeah. He was at a Nevada SPCA event. They did an event just for a fundraiser, and he came out and did a little mm-hmm. comedy spiel. They, that guy has no mercy and no limit, and everyone yeah. is a target. It doesn't matter. If he'll, he'll rip on kids. He doesn't yeah. care. This one, like, this one kid came out and. He took some coins, and then uh, the kid forgot to take them back. And he's like, "Fucking idiot! Don't go play casino! Don't go play cards at the casino when you grow up!" You know, something like that. I was like, yeah. "Oh man, this guy's brutal." Yeah. No, I know, Vinny. I, I actually, I did a. Uh, I was the host of. Uh, they had a, a a roast in town here for you know, these bunch of celebrities, and they asked me to host it. And I'm like, "Sure, no problem." You know, and and it's funny because I I, I spent probably. I don't know, 30 hours of writing material. And Vinny was one of the guys, you know, in the show. Yeah. And I spent about 30 hours writing material for this roast. And then I get out there and I'm, I'm pretty good. At, I'm really good at actually at improvising, you know, so I don't really need, you know. So I go out there and it's, it, and everybody's <laughs> still like, the show was supposed to start and it was really odd planning and they just didn't start on time. I mean, it just, everyone was just standing around talking and we had to get this show moving already. So I get up there. I went from all 30 hours of written material to just starting to rip on the audience. I think I I, I opened the show with I shut I opened the show with every everybody shut the fuck up and sit down. <laughs> so all this classy writing I'm doing, and that's how I, they're looking at me, and now they're laughing. I go, yeah, you sit the fuck down. I'm yelling at them, and they're like, holy shit, and just. And it's funny because in my my show I don't even swear during my my actual show I have a lot of innuendo but I but I don't swear but on this one I was like oh my god you're like a different you, you, person you have you have a loud voice too man because one oh. time I was walking the dogs and I'm coming around the corner and I hear this crazy man screaming at somebody I'm like who the hell is that it sounds like Brock Lesnar's around the corner at somebody and I'm all, I'm all prepared I was like you know I don't know what I'm about to see I can see, I, I, can, I can see a fist fight I can see something I may have to break up you know so I'm like all right. I'm like, all right, let's see what let's see what this is. And I see all this commotion, and it's Mike screaming at some lady because I think her dog was attacking yours or something like that. She has this dog at constantly. You, no, you sat, you sat, you're, you're like Robert De Niro in The Untouchables. <laughs> you're just going off. Well, you're like like that one scene where Robert De Niro is like all pissed off because like one of his places got uh, raided. And only guys I want his family before. dead. I want his mother dead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that. Go, piss on his ashes. <laughs> I want your brother dead. I want <laughs> and then I was laughing at you. I was making fun of you because I was like, you know what, man? You can get away with that. You're like, what do you mean? I was like, if I were screaming at that lady, they'd be calling right, the yeah. fucking shot cops. Man. The SWAT team would swarm in and neighbors would look out and they see a guy like me, menacing dude looking dude, if you don't know me. 
just screaming at some lady, I'd be arrested in 20 seconds flat. Wow. <laughs> T- testosterone Booster King goes on roid rage. Yeah, they, 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 once, they, once they go look at my website, the prosecution would have a field day. Like, oh, testosterone booster, huh? Okay, we've got a little roid rage going on here, huh? <laughs> well, I, I, was, I was a little unstable. But also, first of all, this woman, her dog, she never puts it on a leash and it attacks dogs constantly. Yeah. And this was like the, the second or third time it went to attack my dog. And the reason why the reason why I get pissed is if th- my dog could actually probably kill that dog. Unfortunately, now I'm stuck with a dog. You know, who knows how a dog's going to be once it tastes blood? Who knows? You know, I mean, my dog's not. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's but, true. Yeah. But I'm not going to let my dog change, you know who he is because of this dog and then he's going to try and snap at every little dog you know right so if, if your dog like my, my attitude is if you're if your dog is a friendly dog then yeah. it's okay to be off leash even if he's not yeah completely under your back and call you know your command but mm-hmm. if your dog has any kind of hostile right. tendencies then you right. have to have him or her on leash all the time but here's the thing if someone else has their dog on a leash i'll put my dog on a leash yeah me too you know? i do that too yeah you know, i know we're very courteous of that kind yeah. of thing because we yeah. know and so I'm going to do that just because of them. But I got to tell you, it's funny. I lost it because it was like the second or third time that happened. But <laughs> I, I, I think I, I sent you an email, actually. Um, at the time, man, my I didn't know what it was, but I wasn't sleeping right. And I didn't know what was going on with my system. Yeah. But I just was really short-tempered. And anyway, it wound up being – remember I did a lab test and I had a – I ended up having like a hormonal imbalance. I was oh, yeah. like something yeah. – I was – Real deficient, you know, just like. Well, you're much. gonna you're gonna you're gonna be adrenal deficient because someone like you who works so hard and then yeah. your sleep is off, that's a surefire track to adrenal fatigue. And yes, folks, adrenal fatigue does exist. It's not some fictitious <laughs> term. That that's well, the big debate out there right now. Here, here's what's interesting though. I sent you the test results that I took because yeah, I don't. I didn't even go to a doctor. I just said, what the hell's going on with this? And. And it was way off the charts low with my – it was obviously adrenal fl- fatigue, but I forgot. Well, the, well, that's what happens. When cortisol has been high for so long, it shuts down, and that's a bigger problem. That's when you wake up and you have no energy whatsoever. People are always like, oh, high cortisol, high cortisol. Like, yeah. well, high cortisol is going to become no cortisol soon, and that's going to be a bigger problem. Well, that's what happened to me, and you know what it's like because then you're just – you're not thinking straight. You're just – it's very difficult. You're, you're just I'm tired not... all the time. Your arms feel heavy. You just feel heavy on your feet, and you're, you're just fatigued all the time. And then what happens is late at night, your cortisol finally kicks in, and then you can't sleep at night. So it right. becomes this vicious cycle of you can't sleep at night, and then you're tired all day. I mean a large large part of that is going to be because you can't sleep at night. Yeah, and I so you have to flip-flop that. Yeah, and a lot of people are in that state. Like if you wake up and you need a cup of coffee to get going, you're one of those people. Well, you know what's funny? Then The thing is though, coffee – and then I was afraid to do the coffee because I don't really like – I don't even try and do anything stimulant to get me going because I know I'm tired. I'm like, well, I don't want to damage my system even more. Right. right. But you know what's interesting about you with your products and this was a really cool thing? I actually wound up taking an adrenal formula that you recommended that you don't even sell. Yeah. And I was like, man, this guy's like, like you're recommending something to me that you don't even sell. That that shows you do care about, you know, what what happens with people. And I was just, wow, that's really interesting. And plus, you actually had there's very little information out there on on uh, on 
your, your system and cortisol or any hormones in the body, there's very little information on it. I mean, you really have to look for it. You know, not many people study that I, I that I see. You know, and then then you have to find legit information. Exactly, too. there's the problem. There's a, there's yeah. a lot of quacks out there, like Dave Asprey and his bulletproof coffee bullshit. You know, <laughs> like that, like that, that that kind of information. <laughs> where I mean, the, the only the, the, the only good thing about quacks is in the internet age, we all have pictures of what they look like. And often exactly. that's the first thing. That's the first thing I'll look for is like when someone's giving me advice. I'm like, okay, let's see what this person looks like. And if they look like shit, I don't care what their advice is. <laughs> it, it, it may actually be good advice. You know, they may know their stuff, but clearly they're not applying it. Yeah, and that's a problem for me because yeah, you're going you're going to a fat doctor. So did he? Yeah, plan yeah ex- exactly, like exactly. Yeah, or, or, or you're going to someone for how to optimize testosterone and stuff like that, and some fucking estrogen dominant dude is trying to tell you what to do. Exactly. I'm you not know, trying to go like, to the guy with the mullet for you know my hairdresser. <laughs> you know, I'm just just not going to happen. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> you know, somebody, what what you see is what you get is not always true. But there, there's something there's there's a little bit of that that you want to apply. I mean, some people look great, but they don't know jack shit. So just because mm-hmm. someone looks good doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. Okay, right. But if they don't look good in the context of what we're discussing here, then it's definitely a, a, a red flag. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but it's, I mean, the, the, anyone who works really hard is 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 prone to that kind of adrenal stuff. And I'm not saying don't work hard. You can work as hard as you want, but you just have to do restorative things so that you can keep working hard. You can keep sustaining that. So it's not a question of, you know, you just have to have this mediocre, boring life because you may deplete yourself. No, work as hard as you want. Train as hard as you want. Just balance the equation with restorative practices. Yeah, you guys were talking about, <laughs> and I don't think, it, I mean, it, it's an expensive project, but you guys were talking about that. Were you doing the, the what was it, the hyperbolic chamber? What was the? I the cryo chamber. Uh, the cryo chamber. The cryo yeah. chamber. Actually, there's there's a new there's a new play. Actually, it's the one that Tim Larkin goes to sincere. It's called Rejuvenize. They opened mm-hmm. up a they opened up a location near us, Mike. It's near Regal 14 on Eastern, and it's it's way cheaper than what I used to go to Sub Zero Recovery. That was 500 bucks a month unlimited. The one here is only 200, and it's five minute drive. So I actually started going again, and I'm going about four times a week. Now my take on this whole cryo sauna is it's beneficial if you're pushing yourself hard. Oh, that's you're, you're in, if you're in a hard training <clears throat> phase, like you're pushing it hard, it, it definitely makes a difference. Now, is it a huge difference? No, but I, you know, anything that makes a difference, I'm interested in because yeah. to me, 200 bucks is nothing. So if it makes even yeah. a slight difference, I'm interested in. And I do just the fact that I feel great when I come out of it. I feel energetic and I don't feel as beat up. That alone yeah. is awesome because now I can go have a productive day as opposed to having to take a nap and rest up and all that. So I mean, mm-hmm. I'm gonna do it for three months this time because it's so inexpensive, and then I'll make another assessment. Now some argue, well, I can just get into a cold bath, and you know maybe maybe you can, maybe that's the same. You know, one of our listeners is a friend of mine, Aries. He said that look, I just do mm-hmm. cold baths at the house, and I think it's more beneficial. And here's what I got out of it. Too. And he may be right. Yeah. He may be right, but I don't like cold baths. No, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'd rather get in that fucking chamber for three minutes and then go home and then fill up a fucking ice bath every day and sit in that. Thing. I mean, yeah. so there, I'm, I'm sitting there watching myself prepare to torture myself here. It's just, as, as I'm feeling, I'm putting ice in the tub. I'm like, it's, it's just like, I don't know, man. It's like me walking to the electric chair and I'm plugging it in. You know, I'm charging it up. It's time consuming too, man. You got to fill it up. And then Charging you get, it up. You got to get the right temperature and all that. Forget it, man. Yeah. And it's way more unpleasant. 
pleasant. The, the cryosauna, I mean, actually at the place I go to, you can do three minutes, you can take a break, let your body warm up, and then you can do another three minutes. And I've been yeah. trying, I've been experimenting with that, and that's kind of cool too. And then what I like about the staff over at Rejuvenize, and I, I didn't have a bad experience of Sub-Zero Recovery, you know, very nice staff there. But one thing I didn't like about that place is no one there who works there uses it. None of them so, use it. They're like, oh, oh, we don't work out, we don't use it. I didn't like that. Now, and they would tell you this? Oh, yeah, they would. Now, oh, now Reju- I always ask them, I'm like, do you guys use this? Do you guys train? They're like, no, you know, it's, it's too much for me, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't, li- I didn't, I didn't like that. Now, Rejuvenize, Rejuvenize, it's also a whole – it's another female staff, right, just like Sub-Zero Recovery. But the difference is all these girls work out. They're all very knowledgeable about this stuff, and they all use it. Now, they're like, yeah, every time I come in here, I use it, or I use it three times a week. One girl fucking uses it two times a day every day. You know, so it's a total opposite. I like that. I like that consistency. Yeah. So, so not, not only is it way cheaper, but I like the fact that the people who work there actually use the product. You know, that's yeah, important. that helps. <laughs> so, I mean, I think I do think it's beneficial. I don't think two hundred bucks is a big deal. It's, it's it's way closer, so I can get there in ten minutes and back home in ten minutes. So that's cool. And uh, we'll see. You know, I'm going to do a three. I'm going to do it for three months this time, and then I'll make another assessment. Now, what's, what's funny, Mike, since we first started talking about that in the last couple of weeks, probably last month or so, I'm starting oh. to see a lot of these trainers on Facebook now starting to talk about it all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and they're all big proponents of it now. Oh, <laughs> you the, know, so. The ones that, did, the ones that didn't support your uh, your show. Oh, of course not. But they love it. Well, I mean, it's, just like <laughs> hormone, it's just like hormone optimization, right? When I started talking about hormone optimization in like 2005, nobody was fucking talking about it in fitness. Now you hear, now it's a buzzword everywhere. Everyone's yeah. talking about it. You, you, you know, it's funny. <laughs> your name does get out there because, like, you, you had already looked at uh, things like, uh, do you pronounce it Tabata? Oh, that's a Tabata protocol? Oh, yeah, that's I have a story true. about that. Yeah. Yeah, don't forget it. And to don't be honest, it. I mean, t- remind t- you, Tabata <laughs> was something that was that was being proliferated way before I started talking about it, to be fair. Right. No, 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 no. But then, it, but then it hasn't been talked about for a long time, and now there's people <laughs> starting to talk about it again. I, I went up and looked some information, and your name popped up. <laughs> so I'm like, well, the thing about Tabata is nobody does it the way Tabata says it's supposed to be done. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm, I'm going to do Tabata curls, dumbbell curls. Well, like, come like, on. You know, if you're doing it on an exercise bike, it's a 20 second all oh, out effort. Exactly. That maximum effort. You don't yeah. hold back. You don't, you're not going, okay, let me save something for the next round. No, it's 20 seconds of the worst. <laughs> no, you're Lance Armstrong in the final stretch of the Tour de France, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, then, with out steroids. Then, and then it's 10 <laughs> seconds moderate. 10 seconds is fucking mm. nothing. <laughs> oh, it isn't. 20 seconds all over again. Now, he says if you can do this, four minutes, right? It's a total of eight rounds. It takes yeah. four minutes. He's like, if you can do this, it's more effective than 45 minutes of steady state cardio for fat loss. Now, here's the mm-hmm. kicker. Four minutes of that is fucking brutal. Yeah, you have to no be in exceptional shape just to do four minutes. Most people, they're like, oh, yeah, I did Tabata today. I did 30 seconds of this. Then I took a one-minute break. It's not Tabata. <laughs> 20 seconds, all-out effort. Or like, oh, I did Tabata-style kettlebell swings today. It's like, no, you didn't. You didn't do 20 You didn't do 20 swings, all-effort, and then 10 moderate swings, and then do 20 again. That would be Tabata. If you mm-hmm. put the bell down and took a break, it's not Tabata anymore. Yeah, you don't have time, but if you put that you bell might, down. You might have done like an inspired program or maybe you <laughs> took the concept and modified it's it. It's called but, interval training, buddy. Yeah, exactly. That's just interval <laughs> training. Don't get it mixed Tabata, up. Tabata and interval training are two different things. Tabata is like interval training times 100. I mean, that four-minute workout is brutal, man. Well, I brutal. did. I actually did that. I've been doing it 
Uh, with with running on the track, I run as sprint as fast as I can, and then I do. I'm dying. <laughs> like yeah, I'm like, I, mean, this sucks. I, I sprint a hundred yards and walk back to the beginning. Sprint again. That's yeah. Hard. That's brutal, man. That, that's, that's still not, that's still not Tabata though. <laughs> no, exactly. It takes, a, it takes me a lot longer than ten seconds to walk. And trust me, that ten seconds is irrelevant when you're doing sprints, man. And you're yeah, you're right. like, what? Okay, why did I stop again? <laughs> it's like no, seriously. No, but, that, no, but that, but that's. But I have the timer, you know. I have that yeah. one where it is the ten second, you know, and I do. Yeah. It, and you can't even look at the time. You got to listen for it. Yeah, exactly. Time you look down, you're ten. You're right. Your ten yeah. seconds is up. Like I just want to throw up by the time I'm done. And then people are like, "Well, a couple people, well, we don't have to go all out." And I'm like, well, well, I mean, the, the flip side is you don't have to push it that hard, you know. Mm-hmm. Like like the sprints I do are not as hard as Tabata, but it's hard enough. Oh sure. Now, and then when you look at the total volume, you know, ten all-out sprints, it's more right. it's more volume than Tabata. So I'm getting there without having to kill myself. Exactly. So Tabata, yeah. Tabata just with that that's just basic. That just shows you the power of intense training. But you, right. but you don't have to do you don't have to take it to that extreme to get the same benefits. Yeah, that's you can tell someone like, look, I do ten 100 yard sprints. Okay, I'm putting in a thousand yards right there. You know, and, and you know, I'm walking back. I'm not even counting walking back. You know, so basically that's about two thousand yards of movement. But trust me, if someone's doing Tabata, especially if they're a little deconditioned, we're pretty we're pretty much probably feeling the same way. Yeah. You know, and they're just doing four minutes, they're looking at me like, dude, I'm dying. I said, Yo, yeah, me too. The funny thing about Tabata is if you're deconditioned, you can't do it. Oh, no, that's true. Do. That's when they start telling you all those stories. Like, yeah, you know, I, I took a thirty minute, a thirty second break. I'm like, that wasn't the bottom. I had to, man. What do you mean? You have to be, <laughs> have to be in great shape. Yeah. To do to buy, like when people say, "Hey, can you get a great workout in ten minutes?" I go, "Yes, if you're in great shape already." Yeah. Like, you're not going to take someone yeah. who's sedentary and get a great workout in ten minutes because they don't have the conditioning to push themselves hard enough to get a good workout. Yeah, in you got to spend ten minutes trying to like explain them why they feel like their kneecap is right behind her knee now. It's they, like, they, they need fucking ten minutes to do joint mobility so they don't break their body. Now. Exactly. Well, although I did do, you had a, a a split workout system that was actually really effective. You know, where it was a split workout, but you only allow yourself. I think it was twenty seconds between workout between sets but you're switching and it actually worked you know what yeah it, probably not 20 seconds because I, I don't do short breaks with weight training right for me it's always i'll, I'll combine exercises like let's say bent over rows been a minute overhead press. yeah it's always going to be at least a minute because okay. I, I don't i don't oh i don't believe in it, super short breaks when it comes to weight training because you're not going to get strong you know if i'm doing a heavy set of bench presses and then 20 seconds later i'm doing something else and then i'm going back to the bench you're not going to lift heavy and if you no. can't if you can't lift heavy then what the fuck are you doing I think it was a minute because I had the boxer, the round timer on my phone, so I used, I think, that ring timer. No, but, but so many people try to do strength training for conditioning, right? So oh, like right. They're going to take powerlifting exercises <laughs> and then take short breaks. Okay, well, you're taking short breaks and you're doing, you're chasing reps. So now you're not getting strong, though. Okay. So if I want to build conditioning, I'm just going to go sprint because I'm not trying to get strong when I'm sprinting. I'm trying to build wind and endurance and lungs capacity. Right. That's not it. only that. I mean, when, I go, when I go do heavy deadlifts, I want to lift the heaviest weights I can. So I'm not going to take five-minute breaks in between sets because that would be the, the, the other extreme. But I'm not going to do a heavy set of deadlifts and then take a 10-second break and try to repeat it. And also with that, if you're doing power cleans for as many rounds as possible in, in 10 minutes – 
I mean, come on, dude. First of all, <laughs> you're also setting yourself up for some serious injury with that. And how good are those reps going to be if you're well, doing I mean, as many as possible in 10 minutes? A power cleans, you know, or a power, you know, a clean and press how with the barbell. Lifters, how many Olympic lifters professionally do that? You know, these are exactly. the best Olympic lifters in the world. They have the best technique. <laughs> the best technique in CrossFit doesn't even fucking get in the top thousand for <laughs> Olympic lifters that you know, right. train in the Olympics, the actual Olympics. Now, why don't they do that? You know, why don't they fucking chase reps on power cleans to drill in their technique? Because it's not effective and it's counterproductive. You're going to get injured. And these are people with the best technique possible. Like Steve Cotter made a good point. He goes, when you want to learn from someone, look for someone with the best technique. Right. And then you can modify it for whatever your goals are. But the technique should still be the best. Well, half time, most people don't know what, what good technique looks like. You know, they don't know. They don't even know what they're looking for in these, a lot of these cases. If it, if it looks better than what they can do, then it's good technique. Like, I can't do that. If you learned it over a weekend, you're not going to have good technique. Exactly. Someone who's never done Olympic lifting before and they go take a weekend course, your technique is probably not even average at the end of that course. It takes a long time. Hey, you know, Olympic here. lifting is not something where you just watch a video and then go practice it in the garage. You need a, co- you need, yeah. you need a coach working with you exactly. for years. Like, look at your little virgin boy. You get your first little piece of butt. You know, you know, you know, at that that night of the prom, you are nobody's. You're, you're no, you're no Casanova, dude. You got a long way to go. Okay, you got to tighten up your technique, we, we, man. We have to throw in a sexual uh, analogy, of course, because otherwise the show wouldn't be. Like, it wouldn't be us, man. You know, you know, the first time you get laid, man, your technique's not any good. <laughs> it takes it takes dozens and dozens. Of years. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is not the time for Tabata training, man. Okay, <laughs> four minutes is not going to make you a pro, man. Yeah, four minutes may be good for you. It's not going to be good for her. <laughs> I don't care what lies she told you. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, training is such a murky, nebulous world, man. I mean, it's, there's I can see why the average person is so confused because there's so much conflicting information. There's so many people who sound like they know what they're talking about. That they're, they're, they sound confident with what they're saying. That I, I can see why the average person would be very confused. But I always say try to get it to its lowest common denominator and and find people like Clarence Bass who was on our show last time. Yeah. Steve Maxwell, you know, these are guys who've been in the business for a long fucking time and have a track record of incredible personal fitness as well as helping others. You know, those are the kind of people who should have the most credibility. Exactly. Not some young dude who just fresh out of college with his, I don't know, man, his kinesiology degree that he keeps throwing in your face and his CSCS. I'm like, uh, yeah, you're Mark Phillippe. Mark (laughs) Phillippe made a point about how one time he took over one of Poliquin's athletes, right? And it was was one of Poliquin's certified guys who was training the guy before him. It might have been Frank Mira. It might have been someone else. I forget who. (laughs) So anyway, when when the guy turned over the client to Mark, he went into Mark's office and he's trying to tell Mark how he should train the guy. And Mark's like, look, man, Mark's like, if you did a good job, then you wouldn't be here turning the guy over to me, right? You know, why, why would he be in here coming to work with me if you were doing such a good job? And he's like, number two, he's like, I don't take advice from people who don't have gray hair. <laughs> he's like, I don't need some guy who's 22. Some guy who's 22 trying to tell Mark Phillippe, world's strongest man competitor. Oh, that's who they're telling? Yeah. yeah. World's, world's strongest man competitor used to teach at UNLV. UNLV. Like, dude, are you serious trained, right now? Trained NFL athletes, MMA <laughs> fighters. Who's who? Like the best strength coach. out. If I had to pick one guy as the best strength coach out there, it's Mark Phillippe. Hands down. <laughs> Classy guy. Incredible knowledge base. Strong as fuck. 
You know, he's 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 not only is he a great instructor, but he's competed at an extremely high <laughs> level as well. Very few people have that rare combination of formal education, instru- coaching ability, and athletic ability and athletic accomplishment as well. So, I mean, for someone to go in there and try to tell Mark anything, to me, Mark is very patient. I, I've been there before where people are doing that. It's, it's, I mean, I don't even know what to say. Like, there was a guy in there who had, there was a guy in there one time who had fucking beer on his breath telling Mark how he should train his kid. You know, this, this guy's kid, not Mark's kid. He's like, yeah, I think you need to have Joe doing this, that, and so forth. And Mark's like, oh, you're going to tell me how to do my job? The guy's like, oh, no, big fella. You know, I'm just trying big to fella. Yeah. And I was like, look at this fucking dude. I was like, this guy with the gut, this, this guy has got a gut so big he hasn't seen his dick in 10 years. He's trying to tell Mark how he should trade people. You know? It's just a, it just boggles the mind when you see that kind of stuff. Oh, man. You probably have that kind of stuff happen to you, Mike. You probably have someone in the audience. Hey, man, let me tell you how you can be funnier, man. You know, next (laughs) next time, you should probably do this, man. Because, you know, I saw my cousin's a magician. Now, hold on, man. My cousin's a magician. You know, Uh, he does tricks every year at the family reunion. And he's pretty damn good. This guy should be a pro. (laughs) I I get because I talked to a guy after the show. I'd sign autographs and take pictures. And it's funny. I'll do the show. Even on days, you'll get your standing ovation. Great show, you rock. You come out there afterward, and there's always that guy that says, Oh, do you know so-and-so? He's also a magician. Like, not anything about me, you know. Just some guy no one knows about, you know. It's like my friend in college, this Indian guy. You know, he's, people would come to him and be like, oh, you know, I got a friend in India. You may know him. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, hilarious to me. It's like, yeah, it's only a couple billion a, people in the yeah, country, like, motherfucker. Yeah, Jeez. my friend Jerry's got dread sincere. Okay, I'm, I'm happy for him. We don't all know each other. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, have a, I have a friend. You, you probably get that just as a black man. It's just like, oh, I got a black friend. I got a black friend. You know, he, he's from Houston, too. <laughs> like, you know there's about, like, two million of us in Houston, right? Okay. It's like, it's like that movie Grand Canyon. Where Kevin Klein hooks up uh, D- Danny Glover with his other, the, I forget the actress's name for the black woman, and they're they're both going out on a date and they're laughing. They're like, "We're probably the only two black people he's ever met." You know, <laughs> he just linked us together. It's like, "Hey, you're black. She's black. black. You guys hey, y'all can black it up together." <laughs> that, that's the other thing too. Is like, you guys are going to get along just because you have the same racial background. Exactly. Background. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so many but like uh, Mike Matt Brown was on the show. And he was. I asked him. I'm like, "Hey, man. Uh, you know, are you ever?" just walking around minding your own business with your family and just random joe comes up to you it's like hey man i saw your last fight and you know you need to work on this and he's like man that happens all the time <laughs> especially at like some bar where there'll be a ufc on and like some dude who's completely out of shapes having a beer going oh man if if this were around when i was younger i'd be in there tearing it up that's <laughs> like oh yeah i'm sure you would because you take such great care of yourself you know I- <laughs> there's nothing funnier than like a bar of people watching a ufc and all the experts there just throwing out their comments and all that oh man well you even hear it's funny because you even hear even the the commentators and and like joe rogan for example he knows a lot about mma but he's but he's never fought in the ring and that's that's the point matt that's a rampage you know went off on joe rogan about man you know on multiple occasions joe's always like he needs to do this he needs to do that and matt's like you know what You've never been in the ring, man. So you don't yeah. know. You don't know what I mean. He's and Matt was complimentary too. He's like, I like Joe. He's a super smart guy. But uh, you've never been in the octagon. And to be fair to Joe, I've heard Joe say on his podcast, you know, mm-hmm. that often that he, he he confessed that he's like he's a lot of times he feels totally unqualified to be a commentator right. because yeah. of that, that because he's never been in the octagon. Well, the the thing is too, what you don't realize, it's easy to view it from an, an outside, but 
you don't know what it's like. You know, a lot of you get hit in the gut and you're still going through. You don't know. I mean, a lot of these, yeah. a lot of these, um, like even with the McGregor fight when he fought Mendez. I mean, mm. look, he took a lot of body shots. Yeah, at Mendez. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. You don't know what. I mean, half of us wouldn't even be able to continue. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Just, yeah, you, know, just tap it out. you just, just tap, tap somebody in the stomach like, oh, man, you almost threw up. It's like, <laughs> seriously. And he's just oh, coming oh, in full yeah. force, getting punched in the gut over and over for three rounds, you know? Yeah, I, I met, uh, I met uh, Goldberg, the wrestler, yeah. uh, at Frank Shamrock's after party, and we were talking about dog rescue. And he's like, oh, man, that's great that you do that. And he kind of slapped me in the stomach. just, and, and, you know, it was, <laughs> Those big with, with, what, what he, Yeah, <laughs> what he thought was a friendly manner, I was that actually hurt. The second time he did it, I had a fucking flex. <laughs> that wasn't even him, like, trying to do any damage, mm-hmm. man. So, I mean, most people's cores are not – mostly, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, well, I, you know, I do a lot of core work. That doesn't prepare you for a punch, man. <laughs> exactly. That does not prepare you for a punch. I don't care how many dragon flags you do or ab rollers. That doesn't mean you can take a punch in the stomach. <laughs> yeah. No, I – I had a friend. He uh, <laughs> it's very funny actually. He's uh, he's a cop, and he, so he says to me, "We're out at a bar." And I I didn't know him all that well at the time we we went out. You know, I probably had only known him for a number of weeks. You know, not not but not even hanging out. So we're, yeah. we we went out to this one club, and he goes and he goes and he goes and he's a former marine, and it's really funny. So we're we're there, and it's just us two, and he goes. He goes, all right, hit me in my stomach as hard as you can. You know, I'm like, oh, God. Like, I don't want to be playing this game, you know? <laughs> Kick me in the jimmy. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? Like, like a jacket. Let's kick each other in the nuts. <laughs> and, he's like, and he's like, I mean, I'm all of 145 pounds, and this guy's like, you know, he's probably 185, but he's, he's caught, you know, he's in really good shape. Right. And mm-hmm. so... And so he's like, punch me in my stomach as hard as you can. I go, dude, I'm not going to play this game. And he goes, and he goes, and he's, and he goes, Either you punch me in my stomach as hard as you can, or I'm gonna hit you. <laughs> so now I don't have a choice, right? Yeah. So I, I go ahead and I, I punch him, and he goes, "Okay, now I'm gonna hit you." <laughs> that wasn't part of the deal. <laughs> what are you talking about? He goes, "I'm gonna teach you not to be afraid of a punch." <laughs> I'm like, "No, I don't need to be taught. I'm 40 years old here, you know." Yeah. And so so he goes, and he goes, and he goes, "It's coming, it's coming. Just tighten your stomach." I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding?" And I'm like, "I have to do it now, you know. And there's no choice." And I did it, and he goes, see, it didn't even hurt, did it? And I'm like, no. no I mean, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it hurt with me about, tightening it. You no, know, the thing about sorry. punching is that you know I've been punched in the face before. I've been punched in the stomach before. Yeah. And uh, the first time I ever got punched in the stomach, it sucked the wind out of me. Like I couldn't breathe for like five minutes, man, afterwards. Yeah, the first time mom. I got punched in the face, I was it was it was an adrenaline. It was like at a concert, and it wasn't it hot, man. <laughs> but, uh, but but that was but two things. The getting punched in the stomach that was a lot worse than I that that was that was as bad as you would think it would be, no doubt about it. Getting punched in the face was bad, but I was surprised that it wasn't as bad as I thought. Well, you have more bones to kind of like help out well, in the I, face. I was just surprised <laughs> I, I wasn't knocked out and I, I had my wits together. I mean, it, I got hit and I, I didn't. I, I, it, things started to fade a little bit, but I was able to. I was able to keep my grounding, and I was like, okay, that sucked, but I'm still here. <laughs> you know, I'm still in the game. You know, if this were a real fight, I could be in it. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, the, pro- yeah, you, you, the problem with the stomach, man, it's too close to the balls, too. So it's it's just something you get that sick feeling. It's almost the same sick feeling you get that you get kicked in the balls. You're like, wait a minute. That felt like I got kicked in the balls. And that just takes on a whole new meaning of getting punched in the stomach right there. Well, also, also, these weren't professional fighters who hit me either. I mean, well, that's man, true. You know, so like going back to the UFC analogy, yeah. someone like Matt Brown or Connor or Mendez yeah. or Jose Aldo, if any of those guys punch the average person in the face. Like, did I just hit some crack? Did someone just come up? People... 
people people used to come up to Chuck Liddell in the bar and be like, "Oh, hey man, can you punch me?" Because they wanted to say they got punched by Chuck Liddell. <laughs> I'm good, man. Yeah, he probably did it at maybe like ten percent of his ability. Yeah, he, he probably did a WWE punch. We had to pull back a little yeah. bit because if <laughs> yeah. Chuck Liddell punches someone at full right. capacity, he that's a lawsuit. That's a lawsuit happen. or death. No, no, for no. Someone. I think he choked them out because they said, you know. People yeah. are stupid. <laughs> exactly. You know what? Idiot. Just give me your autograph. I'll take that instead. That that works for me, man. Yeah, man. I've grown accustomed to this space, okay? I don't need you changing it up for me. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so many things, too. And these guys go to go into fights with injuries and stuff. I mean, there's so oh, many exactly. things that that are easy to say. You should should have done this. I always find that I funny. Never, you know, these guys go to a fight. Story. Yeah, they go into a fight, they're injured. You know, half people want to go to work because they have a stomachache. Yeah, but they want to sit there and tell you. They want to tell this guy how he should fight. They're going to stay in bed, yeah, exactly. And most fighters fight through injuries that, yeah, like you said, Sincere, the average person wouldn't even go to the mailbox if they felt that pain. People have no idea. Like Dale Hartford, I used to fight in the UFC. He's been on the show. Dale's like, Dale's like, people have no idea what you put yourself through to be a professional fighter. They have no clue. And like I said a million times, man, I, I've held pads for Dale before where he was just showing me technique. And he wasn't even doing maximum effort. He was just doing enough effort so I knew what he was talking about. Right. He hits fucking hard, man. Yeah, I, I, I've met, met Dale before because I was doing the ring announcing. That you mentioned the top of the hour. But I, I, did, oh, okay. I did that years ago, and I did it. It was for Muay Thai fighting, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah. All those guys were around, and Dale, what a nice guy. And Very you know nice what? guy. Yeah. That guy works so hard, which just tells you the level of competition that there really is out there. Because Oh, yeah. And he's at one of those weight categories where he either has to slide up or down. You know, he was like, a 155er, and he had he had, oh, a, he, he had he had a tough time in the UFC. He was pretty good before that, but he had a tough. Yeah. I think he peaked. I think by the time he got to the UFC, he just wasn't peaking as, and he wasn't in his prime. Yeah. Or, or there was. Some, I mean, he had things going on in his personal life too. Yeah. Like th- things weren't converging perfectly by the time he got to the UFC. Because he's it's, a great guy. I mean, yeah. You know. Timing is another factor too. It's like yeah. you have to peak at the right time. Like someone like Kung Lee. Imagine Kung Lee five oh gosh, years man. before he got to the UFC. He yeah. was brutal, man. Yeah. By the time by the time he got to the UFC, he was on the downswing of his abilities. Yep. Same thing with Frank Shamrock when he was in Strike Force. You know, Frank Shamrock in the early UFC, he was fucking incredible, man. He was not, he was he, he knocked out Igor Zinoviev in like ten seconds. He just picked him up and dove, yeah. dove him. He ta- Olympic level Kevin Jackson, Olympic wrestler. Yeah. He, I mean, he armbarred him in ten seconds. So I mean, that was that was Frank Shamrock in his prime, where he just blew through people. He, he went five rounds with Tito Ortiz, and Tito tapped to punches. I mean, he, and Tito was way bigger than him on that yeah. fight. So that was Frank in his prime. When he made his comeback, you know, he wasn't really in his prime anymore. The sport had evolved. You know, it, there's there's just so many. I mean, timing is such an important component of success. Okay. I mean, the, for me with kettlebell training, timing was a huge component of why I was successful as a kettlebell trainer. Huge component. You know, it, it it's funny because I have there there's those people out there. You know, oh, you know, you my friend, you know, UFC's boring. You know, I just you know whatever. You know, and I understand. Hey, I respect if you don't like it, but you probably don't get it. But I said, you know, it's funny because a lot. Some of the reason why I watch it, I mean, I love watching the fighting, but a lot of it for me, just because of what what, just in my personal life, just knowing what it takes my with your mind frame, a lot yeah. of it for me is just watching. I don't think a lot of people understand the preparation necessary, how difficult the sport is, and yeah. how difficult. Some of these guys are so great in training, but you got to have the mind frame to perform in front of people and yeah. not get an yeah. adrenaline dump. I mean, there's so many aspects to this sport. No doubt, these yeah. guys that are are winning are are 
a lot better than people think they are. I mean, yeah. they're tough. Even the guys who are not winning are, are a lot well, better than yeah. you think they exactly. are. You know? Exactly. You, you could take the worst guy in the UFC, and that guy's a lot better than you think he is because of all the yeah. things you just mentioned, man. I mean, you have, you just have no clue. So I, I actually like what you just said, Mike, because I think that's one of the reasons why I like it too is that when you're pushing your yourself hard in whatever your chosen craft is, it's you appreciate other people who are pushing their craft hard, whether it's a singer, whether it's an athlete, whether it's an MMA fighter, whether it's – you know, whatever whatever the context is, so, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I enjoy watching it too. Is like you, you it's it, it's really interesting to watch people push through adversity as well, especially like when when Matt Brown fought uh, Eric Silva, right? Yeah. And Eric Silva punt, uh, kicked him in the stomach, yeah. and I thought yeah, Matt that was, was brutal, done. Man. It looked like, and then he followed up with punches. You thought the ref was about to stop it. Matt survived that, and then went on the fucking win with a knockout. Exactly, you know, it was incredible. I mean, like but, moments like that are so impressive it, it, to watch. It's amazing. You know, it's funny when I watch uh, Robbie Lawler. Like, not only yeah, yeah there's like, another case that right incredible. there, man. Incredible. <laughs> but yeah. I get so nervous watching him because there's very few people I watch, and I'm like, man, I really, really want this person to win so bad, <laughs> and I did so bad just because this guy's. Done the, an incredible change in his life just oh, from yeah, the journey until now, and it's amazing. It is amazing. I mean, and, and you know, he, you know, I mean, he doesn't have many years left. There's no way. No. I don't care what he says. Yeah. There, two, I would say two at the most at a high level. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. just not. Yeah, and I hope he goes out on a high because the truth is, it's just your body can only take so much punishment. I mean, it's that, that Robbie, that fight with Rory knocked off a couple years off his, yeah, his ability man. to carry it forward, man. Yeah, he doesn't have too many more fights just because of that one. You know, Rory is much younger, but even for him, that knocked off a couple years. Career, <laughs> right. man, I guarantee it. And Rory's only like, what, 25? Robbie's yeah. like yeah, 35, 25. 36? I mean, yeah. maybe not that old, like 33, 34. Yeah. But that that was a battle, man. That was a rough, <clears throat> that, it was an incredible fight to watch. But yeah, Mike, yeah, I'm like I, you, I, you I know. We, Rory had it in the yeah. round three. Yeah, I'm like I'm like Mike. We were, I'm like the whole time that uh, Mike and our buddy Ken Black, we were all texting each other while the fight was going yeah. on. You know, you know, Mike was like, you know, you know, I'm a. I think he, you were betting on Rory. I said, you know, yeah, Rory might win, but damn it, I'm pulling for Robbie. I really want Robbie to win. <laughs> you know, I really want to win because just like you said, it's just, I know that pretty much he's kind of hidden. He's about to hit that finish line pretty soon, and you want him. I guess when you think about all the other guys like Chuck and and. Rich Frank, all these other guys, man, who got right there, but then it started just declining, and it kept trying, and kept trying, and it just got worse and got worse. But it could have just you finished. Really want to see him fight like exactly. that? Exactly. You know, you, Robbie's one of those cases. Like, okay, here's a redemption for the older guys. You know, like here's the, get to the top and just leave on your own terms, man. A lot of those guys did not leave on their own terms. But yeah. and if you watch the, the one of the things why I, I man I loved it so much and watching the fight that Robbie did a lot different than Chuck did. Chuck never actually. Uh, changed his game. I no. mean, he pretty much was right. the no, overhand no. right guy. I, I mean, he's great at what he does, but that's why guys were catching him. They knew what he was doing. They knew mm-hmm. what to look out for. You know, that's they, right. They, one, once, once one guy caught him, everybody started cashing him. You never, you ever, you ever, <laughs> ever noticed that? It's like once, yeah. once Quinn Jackson caught him, yep. all of a sudden three other guys caught him. Like Rashad Evans caught him, and then people, Jardine. people, yeah. who, people, people who are not even known as knockout artists started cashing him. And, and they, when they caught him, they were even looking surprised. Like, damn, it actually worked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean uh, yeah, Rashad, Rashad, Rashad was all he Rashad, went all into the Fred Sanford mode. That, He's Rashad like, oh, had that, yeah, that dance he did. He looked like he was about to pass out. But he got, he went out. 
about it. <laughs> but and, and then you look at the guy like Robbie, who's he's 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 commander of uh, of his distance. I mean, he's changed that. And that that's a hard thing to actually change. I mean, he used to be an all out just you know. Go get him, attack fire. Yeah, he's very now. patient. I sometimes think he's a little too patient, unless he did get hurt a little. I don't know, but he – I thought he could have put a little more volume out on Robbie. Did, well, think, think, think about – I guess Robbie's that good. Think about what? Robbie also is Robbie likes to get hit. Like when he gets hit, he's got this big smile on his Yeah, face. he's like, like I'm going to – okay, now I'm going to fight. Forrest Griffin used to say that too. Yep. He's like, I don't care if I'm – Tossy blood. getting hits. I like it. You know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, Forrest would even get excited until he saw blood. He's like, okay, now I'm going to fight. You know, <laughs> well, you know well, someone I mean, with that know, attitude Brown, is not going to be Matt around Brown for long. When he, when he fought Tim Means. You know, Matt Brown's like, he wasn't in it until I got elbow. Then I'm like, oh, you want to do that shit? Okay. He goes. The biggest mistake Tim Means did was starting. He was doing the elbow game because yeah. Matt's really good at that. So he's yep. like, "Oh, you want to play that game? Fine, I'll fuck you up." Yeah, Matt's a tough guy. Holy oh, extremely yeah. tough. Super cool guy. He was actually on our show last month. He's coming on again this week to talk about the UF. He has very strong opinions about the UFC drug testing as well as the weight stuff, weight cuts where they're getting rid of the IV and all that. He's got. What's your thought on the IV? Well, the IV, here's my thought, and Matt disagreed with me. We had a little text exchange on it. I go, I think a lot of people are going to be changing weight classes, and Matt Matt didn't agree with me. He goes, no, I don't think that's going to happen. He's like, I think people are going to have to get much smarter with their diets and their nutrition. But because he goes, he thinks a lot of people use IV if I'm if I'm quoting him correctly, just out of sheer laziness. You know, it's like they can just cut a lot of weight last minute and then use the IV to rehydrate. Right. He says the guys who do it smart, you know, you get down there in a healthy manner as opposed to just drastically, you know, losing 20 pounds two days before the weight cut or even the day the day before. Like I heard uh, who was who was it who fought recently? Josh Thompson. I heard Josh Thompson mm-hmm. cut like 20 pounds the day of the weight, the weigh-ins. The day of. Oh, man, yeah, come on. It's crazy, man. That's yeah. crazy. I don't know, man. Fought, I, he lost that fight. Now, I'm not saying yeah. he lost the fight because of that, but I think even if even if you get rehydrated with IV, and mentally I, I've, though, I've, it's I've the, done, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've done IV before too, and never not because of a weight cut, it's just for uh, you know dehydration after for a long fun. fight or stuff like that. Yeah, for, for fun, fun. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> and you know, it has. I don't do it anymore because I don't think the benefits are that pronounced. You know, you'd have to be in an extreme situation like you just ran a marathon in the desert and you want to replenish, or you just got off a long ten hour flight and you're dehydrated, or you just partied and you want to you want to hydrate the next day, whatever the context. For what I do, it's not beneficial. But for what these guys, I can see why it is. But I, I think I, mean, I don't know. I, I think I it's by, I think it's I think it's probably about fifty fifty, man. From both yeah. both of you are saying, you know, because yeah. there's I mean there's some right. lazy ass guys out there, and because they're lazy, you know, they're gonna end up just you know moving up a weight class, getting their asses beat, and they won't be around that much longer. <laughs> That's what's gonna end up happening because they don't wanna they don't wanna sit there and dial in their diet. They don't want they like to eat, you know, and don't want right. to go through all that. Right. So, and so, I don't think they really should have to go through all that. Like, you know, if mm-hmm. let's say you and I, let's say you and I were going to fight in the UFC sincere. So, I mean, you, you walk around like at what, 220 comfortably? Yeah, 215. And it would yeah, suck yeah. for me because I'd have to drop to about 155 just because of my height. You know, yeah, right. welterweight so, is about as low. Welterweight is the most I could do at 5'8, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, like 185 <laughs> to like 205 would be an easy weight cut for you, right? Yeah. Like 185. I do that for kettlebell more. competitions. I mean, yeah. I cut down to like to 195 easily. Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, 185 even would be doable. But that would be somewhat difficult. But you could do it. But anything below that would be crazy. It'd be like just me, murder. <laughs> for me, I could do 185. In fact, for me, I would be. It would behoove me to be at 185. You know, I walk right. around 200, pretty lean at 200, but not ripped. So I could get down to 185 and be 
you know, pretty fucking ripped at that weight. And that would be the right weight class for me. But, you know, these guys who fight at 185, I tell you what, man, they're a lot bigger than I am walking around. Exactly. <laughs> so I would get, dis- I mean, I would get destroyed for a lot of reasons. But let's say I had fighting ability. I would still get destroyed <laughs> because I would just be small in that weight class. Yeah, it was funny when we talked to Dale and Dale was like, and I was telling him, we were talking about the same thing. And then I was like, nah, I couldn't get to 155. I don't know, Sincere. I think you could. I'm like, Dale. Well, Dale, Dale, Dale was walking around at 190. I was like, Dale, that's not happening because I'll be a miserable bitch, man. Seriously, trying to drop down to 155 from here. Like, no. That. Well, what would be funny since it's like if you dropped weight but you kept all the weight in your ass. <laughs> <laughs> It's serious like, you know, he's got the black guy's physique. So what would be funny is like if you didn't lose any weight there, but you like everyone that, that might actually work in your benefit. Oh like, god. Like to my weight. to my in the, in the black version of Magic Mike coming down. up star and sincere. Okay. It's like, yeah, I just can't take this guy down. It's like, yeah, I got a good counterweight here. <laughs> You know what's funny is like the way people lose weight and how they lose it drastically in some areas, but yeah. not elsewhere. Like, like you lose a lot of weight and your and your face gets gaunt and your head gets small, but your body's still big. You know, like people, it's it's funny to see like extreme weight loss because it doesn't it doesn't always work out the way you would want it to. You lose weight. They have like a slim waist or whatever, but they're they're freaking arms. It looks like they have like Hulk Hogan's like biceps on there, but it's all fat. Well, it's just hanging. I've seen I've seen women with you know pretty fat stomachs and they got thin legs. Like how yeah, the hell exactly. You know, it's just, it's just weird, man. The human body is really So when the body's like, look, I got this. I don't need you doing anything extreme. Let me talk to these cells so we can all decrease at the right time here. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's like a perfect weight for everybody, right, where it's like a happy medium of everything. Because, like, if I try to get up to 220, 230, a lot of it's going to be in my gut. You know, it's yeah. not going to be a good look. Now, if I get... If I try to drop my weight down to like 170, I, I, I'm just too skinny. I feel like I feel like a strong and, wind is gonna blow me over. And it's know? not fun because I've been on both on both ends of that spectrum. When I was doing Muay Thai, I got to like 175, and dude, it, it looked like a well-ripped crackhead at the time, <laughs> man. And I felt like one too. But I was the like, face is what really. Oh my face! It was right? horrible. Like, I look at some of the pictures, man. Gone. Yeah. You know, in fact, well, I think I went to your first uh, first time I went to one of your workshops. I think it was right around that time. And I look at my face from that like from collision course. I was like, good lord, was <laughs> I eating like, back that's, then? That's why. That's why <laughs> That one picture with like you, me, and I think it's Ori. Like Ori and I have these big smiles in our face, and you're not even smiling at all. I'm like, when's dinner? When's the dinner? When's the group dinner? Because it was right after the course too, right? So no one had eaten yet. So that's probably. Like that. I was like, that explains everything. Everyone, no, it was me, Jason Dolby, and you. That's yeah, Jason exactly. Dolby and I yes. smiling. Like I have this big smile on my face because the day's over. I was like, you know, oh, yeah, Dolby's no always smiling. And then, and then you're just like, oh. <laughs> No, there's just a happy like where I'm at right now is a weight like I'm a 200 pounds, you know, give or takes, so, and I and I feel really good at this weight. When I get up to even 210, I feel stronger with the weight I can lift, yeah. but I feel heavier on my feet. I can't yeah. run nicely. I you know, going upstairs feels more difficult. It's just funny, man, how just a little bit either way makes such a difference. Yeah. We lose Mike? Mike, you still there? We lose you. <laughs> oh yeah, I was thinking. Like, Mike's like, "Where's my number? Where's my what's my sleep number?" He's like, he's like, "What number works for me?" Mike's check. Mike's responding to texts about business deals and all that. Exactly. Yeah, y'all no, keep was, talking over there, buddy. No, I was listening. I'm thinking I could get down to the girls' uh, 105 weight. I think. Well, what, what's funny, he's a, he's a what's straw funny weight. Is the guys. 
What's funny is the guys who weigh less than Ronda Rousey, right? Like uh, like Mighty Mouse at 125. Yeah. I was yeah. like, man, you, you guys weigh less than the girls. Do. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that, or you look at somebody like Mayweather, and he's like, you, you and Ronda weigh the same. But she looks way muscular than you. <laughs> now, let me ask Ronda, you Ronda walks around at like 165, 170. So when yeah, Ronda, she's big, isn't she? Yeah. Ronda, Ronda could easily go to Cyborg's weight class, 145, a lot easier than Cyborg could go to Ronda's <laughs> right. 135. But she'll never do it. So Ronda's like, you know what? You got to come to me if you want to fight me. Yeah, you know, Cyborg just was uh, talking about it. she cut down to 140. And, you know, she's like, actually, I did it right and it felt good. She's like, so, yeah, I feel she's, so good. She's not going to make it to 135. You know, she's, without, she said she's going to see IV. how she feels to get to 135. Like, without, you're not, no. Without the IV, impossible. No, impossible. exactly. She won't make it. She won't make it. They're going to have to do a catch weight if they ever want to make that fight happen, or they're going to have to do it at. I think when her and Misha, I, I think, was it Misha she's fighting? I think it. I forgot who it is, who she's gonna fight, but it's gonna be at a catch weight. Misha's, Misha's, Misha's fighting Jessica I, but it's not at a catch weight. They're yeah, uh, but I know Cyborg's next one is with one of the girls from UFC. It's gonna be at one forty. I forgot okay. who it was. Misha though, Misha kind of hit. I don't know. It seems like she hit a wall. I don't know if it's in her training. Yeah, or, yeah, that uh, wall she, was she didn't, Ronda. She didn't hit a wall. <laughs> she, hit Ronda. <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't hit a wall. She hit a talented fighter. Basically. Exactly. These up and coming girls are just better. You know she's not she's not gonna fight Ronda. Misha was the woman up until Ronda stepped in. It's right yeah. force, and that's but what that was the end of that. Someone like Misha <laughs> would get destroyed by Cyborg. It wouldn't even last. Oh, a it wouldn't. It wouldn't she be would pretty. Destro- she would get destroyed by Cyborg. <laughs> and the way she would get destroyed would be way worse than the way Ronda destroys people. Just kind of like Joanna and Jacek. You know she. Her fights are brutal, man. You know, it, it's one thing to get armbarred. That's almost like a mercy, like the way Ronda beats <laughs> right. people. The way the way Joanna beats people, their face is like stop. Pulled. It's like please stop yeah, beating it, me. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's actually it starts getting uncomfortable to watch when you see a woman that battered. You're like, wow, look at that girl's face, man. She yeah. just looks battered. It lo- it's it's just brutal when you watch her fight. You know, though, I'll tell you something. Though she's got, she's tough, man. She does have some holes in her game, though, as far as if she gets someone like uh, – I mean, she punches, but she's not – I don't. she doesn't really call that technical sometimes. Who, Ronda? Yoana. Yo- 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 oh, okay. Yo- yeah, Yoana. Mm-hmm. Well, I think her punching is very technical, and I think her, her ground game, we don't know if it's good or not because she doesn't get taken to the ground. She's very good at avoiding getting taken to the ground. <laughs> yeah. Her she's takedown defense is very good. Thing, yeah. The problem is, is that everybody's going to be gun shy because they don't want to get hit. And that's right. the thing she has going for her now. She puts the fear. These girls, especially the girls that are good-looking ones like Paige, she's not going to want to get hit. No, because like Paige, Paige is also modeling. Paige is already – she's yeah. doing a Gina Carano. She's already making money off her face, okay? And she's going to get destroyed if she ever fights Joanna. I don't care how good she works in her technique. I don't care right. what she does. None of those girls in that weight class are going to beat Joanna. Like she said – Again and again and again, nobody gonna beat me. <laughs> nobody gonna take this belt from me. <laughs> nobody in that weight class is gonna beat her, man. Nobody's nah. gonna. She, does she have some holes in her game? Sure, but none of them are gonna expose it. <laughs> Just like Ronda probably has some holes in her games too, but no one lasts long enough to try to expose it. Yeah, she'll destroy you before you even think about what exactly. the hole is. Well, Ronda's got that. She's got the strength. She's 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 got confidence. I mean, she's. She's a tough one. She's, yeah, she's she's incredible, man. You know, yeah. she's she's amazing. But I think she would have trouble with Cyborg. Yeah. And I think that's why they keep delaying and just keep trying to find reasons not to make this fight happen. And then uh, just just keep delaying it until Cyborg is no longer in her prime, you know, and then put it together. 
That's like, yeah. you know, Fedor's coming well, yeah, like Fedor's talking about he wants to come back. It's like Well, uh, well I mean, Fedor is not going to win against the top no. guys in the UFC. He, he could win against the top guys in Bellator, but who cares? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny is like one of our listeners is like, oh, yeah, you should give uh, Fedor your testosterone booster. I'm like, no, I don't give people anything. He wants, he wants to use it. He's going to have to buy like well, He's got else. money, damn it. The difference between the way I sell supplements and other companies is I don't pay people to use my products. I don't pay because they fucking work. You want to use it, you're going to buy it like everybody else does. I don't care who you are. And I want real-world testimonials because nobody believes celebrity testimonials anyway, even yeah, if no. it is real. They're like, oh, I bet he got paid to say that. Exactly. But these, these like you said, sincere, these guys can afford it. So why should I give it to them for free? So all that it's, money it's, you made with M1 Global? Like, shit. You know, it's funny, it's funny when people try to give you what they think is well-meaning advice. And I try to take it in that context when I respond, you know, so I'm not rude and all that. But right. sometimes I'm like, man, you guys have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> Just have no clue. Oh, you guys should do this with the show. It's like, okay, how many podcast episodes have you done? Oh, zero? Yeah, I'm sure you know a lot about what it takes to make a successful podcast. Oh, I, I get it, kind of. I was about to say, Mike, I, I know you got something to say on that, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we just get people that are like, it's like, like oh, you got get this person on the show. It's like, no, well, first of all, don't tell me who to get on the show. That's number one. Hey, Mike, you ever thought about doing a show with David Copperfield, man? I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, he's got all the supermodels and stuff, man. I mean, you, you might yeah, want to hang out with actually, that guy. Actually, I wouldn't mind doing a show with David Copperfield. He's an interesting guy, but some of the people that people recommend are not interesting people at all. <laughs> And then it's like, oh, you guys should do a workshop doing uh, you know, UFC Fight Week. It's like, okay, you know what? I can see why you're saying that because in theory, that sounds like it may work. A lot of people are coming here from all over the world for that event. But here's the problem. You try to do a workshop during that week. They're, at, they're busy at the UFC Fan Expo. They're not coming to your workshop. And like you've made this point sincere, it's way more expensive to come to Vegas during that week than it would be the week after or any other time. So now a hotel room, which would normally cost 100 is now going to be 400 bucks. A flight that would cost 200 is now 500 So it, it, like, it doesn't look, man. work, man. It's what, look, man, I am a, I I am a Vegas thing. off-season guy. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think the yeah. other thing people don't get, too, is they, they always tell you, oh, you should do this and you should – do you know my schedule already? Like, <laughs> like I, I don't want to be doing all this. I, I, I'm fine, you know? I mean, sometimes people have good ideas, but it's easy to say you should do it like it's that easy. You know? Well, the, the, a lot of times people have good ideas, but they're too busy to share them with you, right? So you only get them if you, you become friends with them or you're having a casual meal. Like, the, the best mm-hmm. advice I've ever gotten was from really successful people where we're just having lunch and then it just comes up organically. Yeah, I'm exactly. like, wow, that's a good idea. And you're not milking when, for information. When someone, <laughs> when someone who I don't know just emails me unsolicited advice, hey, man. 99% of the time it's not good advice. <laughs> or, you know, I like to hook, you know, like, hey, man, we should hook up and, uh, you know, so I can pick your brain. You know what? <laughs> well, Tom- that's not even good advice. That's just being annoying. <laughs> exactly. Like, what come do you on, do? man. What do you, what do you say to get out of something like Because I get that. The advice. truth? I'm, I'm very blunt. So I, I just tell people the truth. Like, hey, man, somebody, nobody rides for free, bro. <laughs> just well, you know, up when people them. say they, 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 they'd like to meet up with me, I just say I'm not available. Like people say, oh, can I call you? I got some questions about your testosterone booster. Here's my phone number. I'm like, I don't do phone calls. Just email me the questions. I'll say it just like that. Yeah. I'll say yeah. it just like that, man, because there's no point beating around the bush. You're no, just like man. Straight to the point. Hey, they, man, they, they the, worst, the worst answer you could ever give someone is a maybe, okay, especially if you're not interested. So yeah. just shut the no, door, not, man. Yeah, I'm not worried about hurting their feelings because what they're asking is not reasonable. And it shouldn't be feelings involved. So I, I don't have <laughs> you know? to be reasonable either. So like when someone says, hey, you know uh, – I'd love to take you out to lunch to pick your brain on how to do all this stuff. I'm like, look, man, nobody – I didn't ask anyone to do that for me. 
when right. I started my business. Right. I didn't go bother successful people and say, hey, can you – go bother <laughs> Well, that's what you're fucking doing. You're bothering successful people. I can buy my own lunch. I'll buy my own fucking lunch and then not have to answer your stupid fucking question. Hey, hey, about that? Hey, man, you know, I take you out to lunch. lunch. I'm not hungry. Lunch, lunch at the most expensive restaurant in Vegas? Guess what? I can afford that. And it would right. be a lot more enjoyable if I don't have someone picking my brain. I hate that phrase, picking your brain. I know, man. The, se- the second someone says, can I pick your brain, I go, you're not going to pick my brain or any other part of my body. Man. <laughs> That's for damn sure. So my, my, and also, here's the other thing. I have so much free information on my website. You yeah. You want to learn how I do things? Just go to my website and study. Just decode my website. Everything yeah. that I do is there. It's not it's not me telling you, but like you want to learn how to write good ad copy? Go read my ad copy. Go break right. it down every single paragraph. This is what I did when I came into the game. I didn't email people and bother them. I, I looked at people that were it successful. Yeah. Charles Poliquin, <laughs> Pavel Sotsalin, they were guys who were doing stuff that I wanted to to model. So they were teaching workshops, writing books, writing articles for magazines. I go, that looks like something I want to do because I don't want to be in a gym and I don't want to yeah. do private lessons. Now, did I email these guys and bother them? No. I read their books. I studied their websites. I read their interviews. And I got as much information as I needed to get going. So, well, I don't, mm. I don't fault anyone from asking. It's just annoying because I just don't know what and especially with social media now, people think they're your friend. I don't even fucking know you. Like someone, if we've never met in person, you're not my friend. Yeah, but the, the the funniest phrase to me is all oh, my Facebook friend. Okay, that's an, you know what that's like. That's an imaginary friend. Okay, right. it's like a, that's like snuffleupagus syndrome is what I call here's, that. Here's man. also the problem with giving advice. Nobody uses it. I've yeah. given advice to a lot of people and they didn't do dick with it. Assholes. So not, so not only are they wasting my time right. with trying to get the advice. They're not even utilizing it, so it's right. a double waste of time. I, I, I can't, I, don't, I can't even have the credit. I can't even uh, feel good about. Oh wow, you know, I helped someone out because they're not even using it. Right. And here's the here's the thing, man. If I have to tell you, that's a problem. You should go find that out on your own. You want to be successful, you're going to find a way. So there's, there's, there's. It's not like whether you meet up with me or not is going to determine whether you're successful or not. Right. You know, if you want to be successful, you're going to find a way. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna craw and claw. And crawl and and just keep grinding until you figure. And, it out. And, and what worked for you might not work for someone else anyway. I, you, know, you know who did it best? Sincere. The reason why we do a show together is because Sincere knows exactly how to network effectively. Sincere came out to one of my courses in 2008. He could have easily gone to some of our mutual friends, Steve Cutter, Ken Blackburn, and gotten you know them to ask me if I could comp Sincere. He didn't do that. He paid <laughs> for it. He attended. And then next year, what did he do? He paid for another course and attended it. He that one he definitely could have been like, hey Mike, you know I was at Collision Course, you know can I get a discount or you know he didn't do any of that, and that made him stick out big time. I was like that's cool because I wouldn't have minded you know giving him that, but the fact that he's paying that, that that's really cool. That's that's really respectful. Yeah. And then guess what? When I wanted to teach a course in Houston, he's the only guy I thought of partnering up with. We taught a, we taught two courses together in Houston. When I wanted to do a podcast, I go that's the guy I want to do a show with because he's he's irreverent like me. And he's and he knows how to 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 do a business with respect. So that's how you fucking network. Uh, thank you. <laughs> that's how you do yeah. it, man. You want to yeah. you want to go learn from somebody. You go pay for their time. Exactly. Yeah, you want to like the, if you want to learn how to write scripts, go go pay for a Robert McGee seminar. Don't email him and ask him for free advice. <laughs> right. If so, somebody wants to learn how you do a magic show, Mike, or a comedy <laughs> magic show, come to your show. Go. They should come to your show every night for a month and just study that. Research. I mean, yeah, just study. It's not even that expensive. They could come to your show every night for a month, and it would be like less than a thousand bucks to do that. 
So I mean, I mean, come on, you know, you want to, you want to be successful, go study success. You know, I mean, that's less than a thousand bucks. How much money did you spend on college for that degree that you're probably not even using? You know, they, they should study every nuance of what you're doing, the way you start a show, the way you transition, the way you end a show, the way you interact with an audience, the way you present yourself, you know, everything, man. That's what you do. You decode people that are successful. You want to learn optimal technique. What do you do? You watch someone do execute an exercise well, and then you break down every single point, the way they walk up to the bar, the way they set up, how close the bar is to their shins when they're deadlifting, where they're looking. How fast do they drive the bar out? How do they drive? When do they drive their hips forward? You know, when do they breathe? When do they put it down? You know, that's what you do if you want to be successful. And if people don't want to do it, then you don't really want to be successful. And right. you have to admit that to yourself. Right. It's funny because yeah. there's a guy that came into town. Uh, there's always these different, uh, you know, different conventions and whatnot, classes and everything like that. This guy comes into town and you know he's he's kind of he's in the same field as I'm in. But he's, you know, a bit younger. And he comes into town, knows who I am and everything. Didn't even come to my show. Like, never came out and saw my show. Yet he corresponds with me, you know, periodically. And he's, <laughs> he's coming to classes, though. Like, for other, he's paying other people for classes $800, like, to take a class. I'm like, why didn't you just come to my show? You want to do this for a living. How do you not? There's only a few guys actually doing this, especially in Vegas, you know? doing what i'm doing here and you don't even come to my show to check it out is stupid well, i mean that that, that goes back to sincere sincere <laughs> one of the teach courses he came to my course he went to steve cotter's course he went to Kim blackburn's course that's what you do you go see how other people are doing it who are successful who had the best course sincere <laughs> i did because <laughs> <laughs> so this is what you do you take the best out of all those courses that you observe you put them together and you make your own that's how you do that hey, you know, that's what a good, that's what a good band does right like a good band studies other people they take a little bit of this a little bit of that put it together and now they make something better you know that's what Metall metallica studied like all these european power metal bands yeah. and they studied punk rock and like misfits and all that and then Kill 'em All, Ride the Lightning, and Master of Puppets was better than anything that inspired them. You know, yeah. it was downhill after that. That's I was about to say better than anything they did after that. Like uh, <laughs> yeah. Cro-Mags, one of my favorite hardcore bands. You know, Bad Brains are their biggest mentor. Yeah. But in my opinion, Cro-Mags' first album, Age of Quarrel, is better than anything Bad Brains did. So it's like they took the best of Bad Brains and all these other bands and made something even better. Yeah, you know, so that's 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 another ingredient of success is you can not only learn a lot from people, you can actually improve upon it, or even or, or not even improve upon it, but just deliver it in a way which makes it more receptive to a people that wouldn't have been receptive to who you learned from. Exactly, yeah. or you just find some holes and fill it. You know, it's like okay, yeah. I think they could have done this. Then well, hell. I can do that. Well, I mean, finding <laughs> holes and filling them is always a good story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> life, is, life is really, it boils down to that. Hey, man, it's a caulking <laughs> theory, okay? <laughs> it's all about me. So, that's our new book right there, Mike. <laughs> Learn the caulking theory. Find holes and fill them. <laughs> find a hole, fill it. <laughs> so don't complain about holes, fill them. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's like uh, Frank Shamrock said that when he was – in the lion's den, uh, Ken Shamrock's organization, yeah. he just wasn't doing that well. You know, he kind of reached, he kind of learned as much as he could from Ken in that organization or that group, that fighter mm -hmm. camp, and then he he put together the alliance with Maurice Smith and yeah. uh, Javier Mendez, you know, who went on the train, Cain Velasquez, and all these other great champions. Yeah. And he, and all of a sudden, that's when Frank came back, and he was just winning, winning, winning. It was like a new, mm -hmm. like the first complete MMA fighter was Frank Shamrock. He was the blueprint of what would come. 
And people like George St. Pierre did it way better than Frank did. But Frank yeah. was the first guy who had you know, good striking, really good jiu-jitsu and so forth. He was a guy where if you took him down, he wasn't in danger. You know, he, he could fight off his back and so forth. And he, when you watch him in his prime, it looks sloppy compared to the best guys now. But at that time, it was revolutionary. Yeah. And look at the opposite example who stayed at Lions Den, Ken Shamrock. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. right. I mean, that, that farce of a fight with Kimbo, my God, man. <laughs> you know what's interesting is that when, when Ken fought Tito, everyone thought Ken would win because they thought, like, well, you know, Ken could beat up Frank and Frank beat up Tito. So in theory, Ken should be able to beat Tito. It's like, no, 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 <laughs> It no. doesn't work that way. <laughs> because Frank fought Tito at a much different time in Tito's career. Tito was just up and coming. He wasn't a complete fighter then. You know, if Tito and Frank ever fought again, Tito definitely would have won, no doubt about that. Not necessarily like back then, but if they fought, let's say – I don't know, eight years ago, you know, Tito definitely would have won. Tito was in his prime just mauling through people. Now, now, granted, Tito was fighting guys way lighter than him, but, you know, that's a different story. But he, he, just, he was just more complete after working with Frank because after he lost to Frank, he went to Frank and learned a lot of his tricks, his cardio and things like that because that at the time was what Tito's Achilles heel was, was his cardio. He couldn't yeah. last long enough. It was never a problem again, though. You know, Tito's cardio went on to be really good. That was never his problem if he lost a fight. It wasn't because he... He just lost wind. So, I mean, that's, you know, people that, that want to be champions, whether it's in a sport or in life in general, you, you learn from your failures and you, you learn from your successes and you're just constantly looking for ways. You, you have like an obsession with just moving forward. See, there's the key word right there, man. You, you have to be. And people hear that word, they have like a, this negative reaction to it. Like, But right. you have to be. When you want to succeed in something, you have to be obsessed with it. And yeah. the thing is, it's not like you're going to be stalking and trying to kill it or take it or something like that when you start thinking about it. But the thing is, you know, when it's, it needs to be constantly on your mind. Like, dang. You, yeah. you need to be constantly tinkering with that idea. Right. to Just taking it apart, putting it together, taking it apart, putting it together. Because everything that we enjoy in life, that's pretty much the people who created it. That's what they did. Because yeah. they, they saw a need. There was a hole that needed to be filled once again. And he's like, come Jobs. on, man. Yes. It's got to be a better way. It's got to be a better way. The thing about Steve Jobs is he was so obsessive that I don't think – that guy could ever enjoy life. Right. He, he would go on a boat, and the whole time he's thinking about how inefficient the boat is, how you can make this better now. No, he was just one of those guys where he – Build a better boat. Well, he was exactly. just one of those guys where like, he just saw inefficiency everywhere, and it drove him nuts. So right. it, it made him very intelligent with the products he developed, iPhone and so forth, iPad, yeah. etc. But I, I think people like that are – or they take that obsession to an extreme, which is what you have to when you want to revolutionize the world the way he did. But at the same time, there's a cost that comes with that. So, yeah, on, on that note, Mike, I mean, <laughs> how, <laughs> the other Mike, you know, what got you into magic, man, and doing all this? Like, I mean, what, like, pulled you into that world? Um, it's <laughs> like everybody else that gets a stupid magic kit when they're a kid. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I never outgrew it. Um, <laughs> trying, to meet, trying to meet girls, man. And that's what it is. Tomorrow, tomorrow, what makes the world go round? It was women, man. Why we started, the same reason why we started working out and trying to be successful. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? But that's what it is. I mean, I always wanted, you know, I, I, I always enjoyed. I actually studied a lot of comedians. I, I liked mm -hmm. the uh, comedy aspect. But, you know, I just found magic. It was interesting and uh and I did do. I learned a bunch of card tricks to pick up girls with when I was younger, and all. You know, always good. It was funny though because I was always the smaller of my friends, so we'd go out to clubs and stuff, and um, and 
they'd go, hey, Mike, Mike, go show that girl a trick. So you'd go show a trick, and then right after, you know, you'd make the introduction and the, then the girl's talking, the guy, my friends would step in. <laughs> See, man, you got to work on your disappearing techniques a little bit better, man. <laughs> make those they guys were the same guys, though. They were the same guys. I got in a bunch of fights when I was younger, and they were the same guys that backed me up then. So it was oh, that's good. Cool. It, it, it paid well, that, that's a good technique to get rid of a girl you don't want to talk to. It's like, hey, well, hey, have you met Joe yet? He just introduces, <laughs> hand her off. <laughs> right. <laughs> But uh, yeah. no, but it's, there's a lot to it. It's a lot of mind. My, my, you know, the, the thing about me is because I pretty much, I, you know, I produce my own show and everything. That well, what, what's the what's the appeal? What's the fascination with this whole world for you? Um, you, you know, I think it's funny. I think you're always chasing that moment to be fooled again, you know, because mm. you always remember when you were younger. How, right. how, mm-hmm. how the hell did they do that? But now I figure everything out, so it's right. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not fun when you know how it works. But no, right. I like the per- the presentation. I like the um, I, I like performing. I mean, basically, that's it. Doesn't have to be magic. It could be any. You know, I, I enjoy uh, I enjoy an audience. I like the uh, I, I just like performing. I guess you know a big thing in my show is. Uh, I think very quick. I'm very interactive with the audience. I just that that's one of my big strengths. And I also remember everybody's name, like in the show. Yeah. And so I know these things are impressive to people, so I do them. Yeah. It's just a I, I, don't, I don't get the impression that you're someone who needs audience approval, though, right? Like I I know some people that have to be in front of a room because that's the only place where they feel good when they get oh. have people clapping for them and all that. I don't get You're the that's you, though. No, 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 no. I enjoy the performing, but to be honest with you, like, I don't even... Uh, no, I... In fact, I don't even want to talk to anybody when I'm, you know, sometimes yeah. after yeah, I stuff, come yeah. home and watch... TV or read a book or, or that, write. That, that's you know? a sign that you gave it your all. Like when you're done, yeah. you just want to walk out of the room. That's because you are yeah. emotionally spent. Man. You have yeah, nothing, nothing left, left, man. Yeah. <laughs> Although... You know, you you have to have pretty thick skin in this business because you're you're actually you're putting stuff out there to be judged. You know, I, I commented on someone else's. Um, you know, I, I try not to get wrapped up in social media wars with people because the truth is it, it goes nowhere. I mean, they're of course not. Yeah, it's the right. biggest waste of time. It is a complete waste it's of a time. Total black hole, man. I mean, you're just going to be sucked into this vortex. You're never going to get out of it. Yeah. But I did uh, get stuck into one the other day on Facebook. I just I don't even know why I was even reading the stupid thing. But it was all about the the Caitlyn Jenner thing. And the only thing that I put out there, I said, <laughs> well, because they're all getting by. And, and you got to be really careful with that stuff because you say one wrong thing in this industry, who knows? You know? Yeah, yeah, that's it's, true. It, 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 it's it's bad. But what's so dumb about that situation though is like Joe Rogan made a point. It's like, oh, you know, that we can't make fun of him for this. Like, why not? This thing, this thing, this is like the perfect story for. A comedian to make fun of it's like well, you, you can't, that, you can't actually, have i mean you don't have to be mean-spirited about it but i mean actually, but but there's there's, <laughs> there's so there's so many avenues for humor with this whole story but it's funny you should say that because that's exactly what i was saying what happened was someone was saying someone was jumping on the only reason i got in the middle someone jumped on one of my friends and said they should not be commenting about this person that way because they don't understand this person has feelings, so on and so forth. And I said, <laughs> the moment that this person exposed themselves to the world like this, they exactly. put themselves out there to be crit- criticized. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I just said, look, the moment that you stepped into the limelight and made this you know, public, you didn't keep it private. The moment you made it public, you're open to any kind of criticism. And and you can't defend that. I mean, I, I live by that, you know, that, that same thing. And I, I'm not... 
you know, good or bad. And most people are just joking, and it, it is different. It is, it is an odd, oddball thing. But but the fact of the matter is, you know, I, the reason I, I brought that up is I, I, I put myself out there for criticism constantly. And now with the social media, everybody's a fucking critic. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, everyone's a writer now. Everyone's a critic. You know, <laughs> there, there are these people sitting home, and that's all they're doing is social media and usually bashing people. So. You have to get a thick skin in this business, but yeah, I don't need approval from people. You know, I, you, you like good, good, positive uh, comment reviews, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, you, you definitely want to get caught up in that hole trying to get approval because at the end of the day, people got their own shit, and usually they're projecting their shit on you to make them feel better. And when it comes to Caitlyn Jenner, it's just like, dude, he. So once he transitioned, he stopped being a human being because guess what? That's what human beings do. We look at each other, we judge, we criticize, we make comments because we can fucking talk and we have brains. Okay, <laughs> that's the thing about it. Animals don't have to worry about that. They don't have to say a damn thing. You know, that's what I was looking at my dog. I said, damn, dude, you have a good life. You don't have to deal with none of these jackasses on Facebook. Even if I created you a Facebook account now, you still wouldn't be bothered because you don't have to sit there and deal with these jackasses. I'm your social media manager. If I made an account for you, I got to deal with the jackass hater ass dog owners out there hating on your profile for their yeah. because it's better well, than that, their dog's profile. You hit the nail on the head since people have their own shit and what they need to do is go take a shit. Exactly, because they're full of shit. Shit. It's like I think the real problem is constipation. Gut shit. But you need some some probiotics, some chia seed powder, you know, a little bit of salt and lemon and water first. There thing you in the go. First thing in the morning, morning baby. Flush it out. Body, man. Then you won't have to waste time talking shit on social media. How about that? And thinking that you're the shit on social media. <laughs> like, what it really comes down to is you're full of you're full of shit. shit with a shitty attitude. Have a cup of coffee, go take a <laughs> shit, you know, get a workout in, and get on with your life. And don't put butter in it because then you can have runny shits, and then that's not fun either. Cause <laughs> I look at the amount of people, time people waste on social media. I'm like, you could work out three times a day, six days a week. <laughs> you could fucking start three businesses. You could solve – I mean you could probably come up with the solution for cancer with all the time you're wasting. <laughs> you know, there, there's so much time people waste in life. And Like I put something on Twitter today. I said basically <laughs> – I go, life is too long to do something you hate for a living and way too short to not do something you love for a living. And uh, that's you know that's the way I look at things, man. It's yeah. like if you have a shitty job, life is going to feel long and just, and just draw, man. People in prison are not saying it's going by fast. <laughs> and then – but – it's short too, man. You get to the end of your life, you're like, man, I never did any of that stuff. You know, you, you talk to old people who have regrets. It's always about what they didn't do. It's not about what they did. It's like, I never did this. I never did this. I never did this. And yeah. that's something every young person should go to a senior home and talk to old people. Go interview 20 of them. Interview the ones that are happy. Interview the ones that are not. Go fucking learn some shit, man, because that's where you're going to be someday. Or maybe not. You may not live long enough. You may not live long enough. But that's right. more reason to do what you love. If it's all going to end next week, you better be doing what you want to do. Who wants to? I mean, imagine you have a short life and you you worked at a job you hated the whole time. <laughs> it's the well, shortest, longest life you've ever lived. People, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's most people. That's a lot of people. And I don't. I, in other countries, I don't necessarily blame you. You know, if you're in mm -hmm. India doing a job you hate, or Kenya, or Uganda, mm -hmm. a lot of times that's because there aren't a lot of options. Mm -hmm. But in America, there are plenty of options. I'm not saying everybody in America, because I'm not delusional about you know poverty in America or you know inner city life and so forth. But there's so many people that. Or even in nice neighborhoods who just sit around complaining all day long about what they don't have and how hard life is. And that stuff drives me nuts. 
Yeah. There's, yeah. there's just a lot of people I think that are unhappy and they're just lazy about making change. I mean, that's what I believe. Because it's, like, it's like you're 21 and you're cynical. It's like you haven't lived long enough to be cynical yet, dipshit. <laughs> to my, to my, not too. Just a few years ago, you learned how to spell the word, the word cynical. So, <laughs> can you use it in a sentence? Born by a drink a couple years, like last year, you're cynical, man. It's like you know, go experience life a little bit. Go travel the world. I always tell people go travel. Now, some for some people that can be like a, a total waste of time, where you you think because you're traveling traveling your life is somehow moving forward right so that can be a trap too. that can be a trap too like some people think oh if i just move somewhere else everything will change and that that's a very superficial way to change your life i'm not saying you shouldn't move because i've definitely moved and i'm glad i did it but the real changes were what what i did with myself but anyway back to this point about traveling it opens up your mind you know, i was fortunate to grow up in an international family where we traveled a lot as kids you know i, I went all over the world before i was a teenager and so I have a much different perspective as a result of that. But when I meet people who've never even been out of their own state or have never been out of America, there's something missing, man. <laughs> you know, you're just missing something. It is right. because you're you're you have this kind of provincial outlook on life, and you you don't you don't get it. You think like, why are these people doing that over there? It's like, man, you have no clue because you think over there is just like here. <laughs> I have no clue. They're like, why are people in the Middle East doing this? It's like, have you ever been to the Middle East? Oh, people in India are living in dirt. It's like, yeah, because India is not like L.A., buddy. <laughs> you know? so, you know? <laughs> it's not Beverly Hills over there. Right? <laughs> oh man, it is funny. I, you, you meet people. I I meet people in Vegas that have never been out of Vegas. Yeah, I know. Like, me too. You, That's crazy. You've never gone anywhere. You're so you never, you, you never you never even went to like L.A. or San Diego. It's a four hour drive. <laughs> nah. You know, yeah. and they're like thirty years old. Yeah, some people it's a comfort thing. You know, they like the further oh, they yeah. get away from home, the more uncomfortable they feel. Yeah, well, but know, that's just that's, that's, that's odd the, to me. Yeah, exactly. I, I think <laughs> it is too, but I don't judge it. Uh, you know, it's too much because of the way I grew up. But it's still really odd to me. It's like, don't you have any curiosity about what's out there? No, but if you think about it, if they're thirty years old. And Vegas is the only place they've been. You got a picture of Vegas 30 years ago. The only thing they've seen is the growth from yeah. what Vegas – and I heard it was better back then. So, <laughs> so, so they're I actually do. decreasing their life quality of life. Yeah. Well, I mean you, know, you don't really appreciate Vegas until you leave often <laughs> you know? because <laughs> Vegas is a small town with a big city – Big city entertainment options, but it's a small town. Like you know, where we live, Mike Seven Hills in, uh, you know, just outside of the 15 minutes from the Strip, it looks like a typical suburban neighborhood. It's a, it's a small town, basically. Imagine if the Strip weren't here. It's small town America. Yeah, it's true. So if you're going to have a small town mindset, is where I'm going. If you've never been outside of Vegas, I don't care about the big city action. It's still a small town mentality. It is very small. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it funny how you'll get people that visit from out of town and they'll go. They they think you live at the strip. Or, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone thinks that. Like people overseas, especially. Like I'll be talking to people on the flight back from London, and you tell them you live in Las Vegas. And oh my god, that's so exciting! They automatically Ooh. think you're a circus delay performer, or <laughs> you're a pit boss, or you you have something to do at the strip. They have no yeah. idea that there's. You know, that's one of the reasons why you can get such good deals on on standard of living out here. It's because nobody associates Vegas as a place that people actually live at. I mean, I didn't. I I thought the same thing that other people thought. I was like, no one lives out there. That's like a big Disneyland, you know, for adults. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But uh, 
No, I, you know, it's a, it's a good town, though. I mean, it's a, it, it is. I, it is. I enjoy it with respect to, you know, I mean, I'm saying it's good weather, but this is getting a little hot. But no, I, I, even the heat, I don't mind. I'd rather have it hot than butt cold, which is what yeah. I grew up with, man. Those those winters in the East Coast, man. I, yeah, I'm from Chicago, so. Same. Yeah, Chicago. Oh, man, that's brutal. Chicago. <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> Is it true that in Chicago, if uh, no. so, someone puts, he said no. Is it true that if someone puts one of your guys in the morgue uh, in the hospital, you put one of them in the morgue? Is that a real <laughs> saying in Chicago? <laughs> I, 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 I haven't heard it. But come on, Mike. Work with yeah, me on that. Line. Man. Oh, come yeah, on. I mean, it's, of course, it's true. <laughs> the Capone days of Capone. Like two, two. If I had to pick two movies, I can't just pick one. If I had to pick two movies that are my all-time favorites, it's Heat and Untouchables. It's like uh, a battle between those two. They're amazing. Yeah, you almost got it. Well, here's the thing. Uh, oh God, Heat was so good. Heat. Um, I could quote that movie from start to finish, but I could with Untouchables as well. And no matter how many times I see that scene where Malone gets shot up, it still chokes me up. <laughs> there's some better scenes, Such I think. Good movie. The, but but there's more memorable scenes in the Untouchables than Heat. Heat's a great ride, though. Heat he, yeah. has uh, better dialogue in terms of the characters talking to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Untouchables has better lines in terms of like quoting something. Yeah. Not, I mean, maybe not better, but just a little bit more. And uh, a heat is a little bit more of a, it's a it's a it's a more of a complex story. Than yeah, where the Untouchables is just kind of, well, you know what they 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 really chose the the, the bad guys in Untouchables perfectly. Oh I mean, God. just yeah. Robert so, De Niro, not even not just Robert De Niro's Al Pacino, but he, but also the he swear like a pig. What yeah, did you yeah, say? That, that, <laughs> that, guy, that guy was, was a creep. Sinister. Oh my he, gosh. <laughs> he was the best. Actually, when I think of the movie, that's who I think of. It's yeah. him. Yeah. 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 He was good. So he even well, pushed Costner over there. What's he from? Is he I don't know. I've never seen him in anything else. Like that dude yeah. should have played a Sith Lord, man, because <laughs> <laughs> I mean he would have been a perfect Sith Lord. He could have played your, like a Your friend died. He he died like a pig. <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> if, when he said that, it even made you get pissed. I'm like, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> That's what's so good about Untouchables is they pushed boundaries. Like, you know, a typical movie would have been like, Oh, you know, I'm gonna we're gonna do this by the book. Like Kevin <laughs> here's what I like about Untouchables, right? In the beginning of the movie Kevin Costner is this fucking like boring ass agent. Everything's by the book, you know. Right? He gives that little speech to all the cops about how we're not going to partake in drinks because we got to be pure and all this. By the end of the movie, he's like Dick Mackey in <laughs> the Shield. You know? What are you going to do? I'm going to have a drink. <laughs> he's ready to do whatever it takes to. Well, you, he, he hit that crossroads. You know, when Malone gets killed, it's just like that's just that was the breaking point. That even a good guy. You know, even gotta... slightly before that, he was breaking because that one scene where um, Malone puts that gun in that guy's mouth, the guy's already dead, right? It's a court. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the, the Canadian guy. Oh, yeah. Like, he's like, we don't, I don't, I don't approve of your method. He's like, yeah, well, yeah, you're not from Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> yeah. so even at, even he, he was already turning at that point, but you're right, Sincere. Like, right after Malone died, that was it, man. He's like, we're going to do whatever it takes mm, at this point. Between that and the threat in his family, that's just, that was just, yeah, yeah, every yeah. man has his, it has his breaking point. That goes to show that how That's good you are, because you're a human. That's what it comes down to. No matter but what your good intentions are. Great. The <laughs> casting was exceptional. Andy Garcia was awesome in there. Yeah. Oh my god, that was probably one of his best. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't even. I'm not even a big Kevin Costner fan, but he was great in that. Exactly. You know, Robert De Niro was great. Of course, uh, uh, you know, Malone was. Remember Sean when Connery? Was one, of, one of his best roles ever. Remember when they recruit recruited Andy Garcia? Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> 
He's like, all oh, great, just one dingo in the bunch. <laughs> It's well, like, you're hired. <laughs> and then he, right, right? I, no, I like this guy. Yeah. <laughs> like the other guy was all like by the book, trying to give the perfect answer. And all that. I'm telling you, man. Yeah, I, I told, I'm telling you, there were so many better scenes. And he, so you many. can't remember that many scenes. I mean, oh, there, I mean, in, in, in Heat, I don't know, man. Heat is highly memorable. Well, he just like, where do you even start? It's like, okay, do you, even when they finally meet up and they're talking in the restaurant, you know, when they're no, first face their face to face. Because she's got a great ass. But he, yeah, but he was like such a great ride. I mean, it was just, it was an amazing, it was a great story. It was enjoyable to well, watch. I mean, it, it, was just, it, it just delineated the way men and, and women think differently, too, in so many ways. And so many of the scenes were like, yeah. Robert De Niro, I mean, Al Pacino's wife always wanted to hear about his day and all that. He's like, I don't do that. <laughs> I told you, me hooked up. You were going to have to share me with all the ugliness in the world. <laughs> By the way, the guy, I looked it up, but it was uh, the guy that played Frank Nito, was the guy, yeah. Billy Drago. Yeah. yeah. And what's really funny is it says known for. And other than the Untouchables, it says Tremors. <laughs> oh God! The, the Hills Have Eyes and oh. Hills of Force. Oh, oh no! Okay, so he's a straight B movie actor. Career <laughs> took a career took a real downswing after Untouchables. Yeah, I'm looking at all the movies. I haven't even seen half of the ones, and I've seen a lot of movies. But, no, but Untouchables. I mean, if you haven't seen it, listeners, go on Netflix today and watch. I'm, I'm sure they want to see it now if they haven't seen it, which I don't understand why. And the, what what even validated Heat even more is when you have that freaking scene go down in LA in real life. Oh, you know, yeah. just about a year or so after that after that movie came out, man, where you were actually watching it on the news. I'm like, oh my God, this is heat. This that is the bank, same robbery. That bank robbery scene oh. was the most Oh it, man. It was the most intense scene ever in a movie. I mean it was filmed so well. Yeah. It was that scene. It was incredible, man. But yeah, did you see did the, you see um the the score? Yeah, that was a very forgettable movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that was problems. I mean, Robert De Niro had no chemistry whatsoever with uh, who was it? Was it uh, Ed Norton? No, no, no. I think the black woman, his love interest. What was her name? A great actress, man. She was in Boys in the Hood. She played Tina. Turner. Oh yeah, yeah, Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett, yeah. yeah. And I like Angela Bassett, She's but th those two had no chemistry whatsoever. And Marlon, Mar even Marlon Brando wasn't good in the movie, and that's a bad sign. He was Marlon. terrible. He was a great actor, but that that movie, that, that movie, man. <laughs> I had such high expectations for it, you know, given the cast, but yeah. it was a highly forgettable. Movie. Oh, I liked it though. I mean, I like. Well, you can't see it again though. That's the problem. You know, once you know the punch, you can't. You know, that's a sign that it's not a good movie. Right. <laughs> right. If you watch it once, you're like, I don't need to see that ever again. That, that's not a that's not a good sign, man. People are like, oh, it was a great movie, but you know, it's a one timer. I was like, well, that means it wasn't a great movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, well, you just had very few choices man, at that time. There, there were movies that I saw as a kid where you could literally go back the next day and watch it again. It was that good. Or well, to the point where it comes on TV, it's like, you know, I'm going to watch this again. You know, and you know, it's commercials. <laughs> you know, you yeah, still but, watch it anyway. Yeah. But I love, but I love Pulp Fiction, and I. I, and I was about to say Pulp Fiction is one of those movies. For well, me, that's man. a great movie, man. But I wouldn't watch it again. Just only, the only reason why I don't want to watch that again is because of that rape scene, man. You know, <laughs> I don't need to see that scene. It's like you, every time it's on, I like fast forward through that part. Or like I'll, I'll, I'm like oh, that's about to happen. I'll go downstairs, get something to eat, come back up. <laughs> so, like Quentin Tarantino is a twisted dude, man. He always has like little like in the Reservoir Dogs, the one guy gets his ear cut off. He always has like these like really sadistic scenes in his movies. Yeah, he's an oddball.
No, those were his best movies, though. Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction were both really good movies. And then he never really did anything after that. That was that. No. Like that whole Django. I thought that. Hey, movie man, was- I still want to. I, I actually want to just have a civil lawsuit against him just for that movie, man. Just for wasting my vacation time watching it on HBO in the hotel in Costa Rica. Like, dude. There, there, there were people who told me that movie was good. It's like I didn't look them. I, I can't look at them the same after that. I go, man, if that. It's like if you think that movie is good, then I can't trust your judgment on anything else. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, that's how bad that movie was. But it wasn't just that movie. The, uh, I didn't like the other one that he did too. Where the Nazi like, movie? Well, yeah. that one wasn't bad in Glorious Masters. That one yeah. had its moments. That that was a little bit more in the line in the in the ballpark of what I expect from Tarantino. But Jackie Brown, that was boring as shit. Yeah, man. exactly, man. I'm like, you're still wasting good actors here, man. Stop wasting good actors, dude. <laughs> Jeez. That was boring as sin, man. So I mean <laughs> He, uh, you know, he. I don't know that that, that Django kind of was like the the nail in the coffin. It was like, okay, I don't trust you anymore, Tarantino. Next time you, you come out with the movie, it needs to, that, people I trust need to go see it first and then let me know. And, and actually, Reservoir Dogs, I can't remember, but that came from another movie that he took that idea from another movie. Yeah, um, he did. All the names like Mr. Orange, Mr. Red, and all Mr. that. Black. Yeah, he got that from another movie. But the whole concept. The, it was the from like a fifties or sixties movie. Was about a. Uh, it was about a robbery at a racetrack. And and this one was a robbery at a, at a bank. So right. he took basically took the. I mean, I'm not taking away from him, See. but 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 he, he he took the original idea from something, and, something else. You know, the brain and something else. And now we're getting back to what we were talking about about 30 <laughs> minutes ago. So my, you, you you take all the good from all the things and you study it and then you create your own. <laughs> So, yeah. So now we've come full George, circle with this this George, podcast episode. Yeah, George Lucas was he clearly researched the Dune series, right? Right. Yeah. And I'm not saying Star Wars is better than Dune because it's it's different. You know, Dune is way more adult and the themes are way more of like human conflict type storylines, political type things. But it's obvious to me that Lucas read Frank Herbert's books and then took a lot of the concepts and yeah. made his own series with it and I'm, I'm not saying that's a bad thing because we all do that i mean there's no original ideas out yeah. there anymore you know what i mean there's nothing that's original anymore it's all of us just putting our own touch in it that's what makes it you know have an original flavor to it so he did that the only thing i didn't like about lucas is he never admitted that he's never like oh he's like oh i wasn't inspired by frank herbert at all and i was like come on there's so <laughs> many i'm not going to get into it because you know we we're getting towards the end of the show but there's so many things that uh, when i was reading the doom book long after you know i saw the star wars movies as a young man i was like wow there's so many things that are similar between these things but you know the dune series was inspired by uh what's that What's that old movie where the European guy goes to the desert? It's a famous movie, and he, he helps lead like a revolution with these Middle Eastern people there. The name of it escapes me. It's a classic. But anyway, you know, he was really inspired by that, Frank Herbert. So, I mean, we all draw inspiration. And that movie was inspired by the story of the Prophet Muhammad, you know, how he was driven out of his hometown and then let a revolutionary came back. So I know you're talking about Lawrence of Arabia, are you? Yeah, Lawrence of Arabia, okay. exactly. <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia was very similar to the story of the Prophet Muhammad, you know, so it just keeps <laughs> going. Sincere, that's why you're around. <laughs> it's, it's always good to have the nerd on the show <laughs> the game show nerd on the show we were talking about that before <laughs> this is why my wife looks at me when I'm watching games she's like how do you know that I was like I don't know I paid attention in school like, why, are you, why are you watching that I'm doing homework <laughs> and for 100 points Lawrence of Arabia, Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> who, who is Lawrence of Arabia that is correct smart black guy <laughs> Oh, man, I can see you doing something like uh, Steve Harvey, Mike. You know, like a game show host. I think, I think you'd be good at that because Steve Harvey does what you do. Like he he makes jokes like right on the spot. And to tell you the truth, 
I've he, seen. I've, I've he read saved that, I've that show, man. Well, I've I've listened to Steve Harvey stand up before, and I, I, I don't I don't think it's that great. But on Family no. Feud, he's funny oh, yeah. shit on that. Yeah, he's like one of those guys. He's kind of like he reminds me like like D.L. Hughley is like when they're writing material, they're not that funny. But when they're having to improvise, man, they're on the spot. That's when they're the best, and you have a lot of comedians yeah, like that. Looks. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. His looks that he gives to camera. Oh yeah, because they're like, I think, like, did you just, did you just say that? <laughs> it's like, well, I, mean, just I didn't a, even know. I didn't even know Steve oh. Harvey was. I like, I had to be reminded that he was a, a comedian. The king of comedy, yeah. Because <laughs> I yeah. You, you forget. Well, I mean, he reinvented himself because after that, he went broke, man. After the Kings of Comedy, and everybody thought they had all this money and, the, you know, he was rich and paid. He ended up going broke, man. I think he had another divorce right after that. So he was, like, almost homeless, I think, at that point. He, he <laughs> was. Two, two people came in and helped him, I think. Yeah. <laughs> took him in. and How do you know all this information? <laughs> hey, man. Sincere <laughs> well you know, gets like presidential briefs each day. It's like, <laughs> Mike, is, is this what you meant when you said you can't get rid of him just yet? <laughs> yeah, he knows exactly. too much. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hey, okay. man, it's just like that movie Skulls. Tell me, hey, man. Uh, actually, you know what? Old joke in his size. Sincere does know too much. A lot of the discussions we have after we stop recording go into the personal territory. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you, man, it's, it's like on um, Craig T. Nelson on at movie Skulls. Like, hey, man. To my, the only way I can trust you, we all got to have some dirt on each other. <laughs> so that's the way it is. <laughs> that's why I'm very uh, Sun Tzu, where I just put out all my personal dirt myself, and that way no one can use it. You have no me. weapons. <laughs> it's like, hey, it's like, well, if you don't do this, I'm going to tell. It's like, I already talked about that. Hey, remember that time you, go, you, go for it. Yeah, it's yeah, like, remember that time you said you slept with a girl on the sidewalk in the middle of the day in an apartment? <laughs> yep, yep. Okay, what's like, your point? I was like, I fucking showed off about this. It's like, you're just going to increase my market value. Exactly. Hey, man, my wife already knows, so what you got on this? It's kind of like these guys with the Ashley Madison thing, getting busted and getting breached. It's like, yeah, business of being a divorce lawyer right now just well, went up. Well, it's kind of like that one girl we know in the fitness world who who went public about how her boyfriend cheated on her with like 20 women, and then we're like, well, shit, 20 just, women. His stock That's value just went up. <laughs> to my, to my, trust me, anyone that knew that guy would never have thought that, but now you just you just got about 20 more women now. They're like, well, damn. Guy, I always thought that guy was impotent. Who knew he had that much kind of? Power? I always thought, you know, I always thought he was the guy, the, you know, that permanent friend guy. <laughs> Everybody knows that guy. You know, he's he's always the, the guy. Hey, can you get, can you help me go shop for some lingerie at Victoria's yeah, exactly. Secret today? He's <laughs> that, pro- she's probably exaggerating, but she doesn't realize that that's like a compliment. It's not exactly, because like, uh, it sounds better coming from her than coming from him. Because no one would believe it if he said that. <laughs> <laughs> No one, no one, man. You wouldn't even believe like one. We'd be like, nah. I'm like, nah. Like somehow you lucked out with the one you have, man. There's no way you wouldn't have that kind of side action. <laughs> oh man. All right, uh, man. Cool, Mike. Yeah, we're gonna wrap it up, man. It's fun talking to you, though, man. We could have kept going here, but the, yeah, this is the way we do the show. As you you could have kept just... going. <laughs> I said, I said, we as in like you as sincere. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm getting worked on while you guys are talking. <laughs> Now we're in territory I I, I can't even answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you guys bring me on again? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, cool. Well, where can people find out more about you? It's at the Four, Seas, uh, uh, Four, Four Queens, Queens Casino. And uh, where can they find out more about it? It's, uh, that's my dog barking. It's uh, MikeHammerShow.com. My website, MikeHammerShow.com. They can just put your name in Google, too, and it'll show right up. Yeah, Mike Hammer, Vegas Show. Yeah, Yeah, make sure you put Vegas Show. Otherwise, Stacey Keach will pop up. I was laughing when I'm reading Mike's bio on his website because you can always tell when someone wrote their own bio. It's like the very handsome and debonair <laughs> Mike Hammer. <laughs> actually, you know what's funny? I actually didn't write it. 
Um, uh, sure, sure. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I mean, I gave the information to someone. I had them put it together. And when they wrote that, I thought it was kind of weird. But why? Then because, I thought, why? Because you know, it was, I mean, I write what, was it? Was it a guy who wrote it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, <laughs> he can't say anything. It must be the truth. <laughs> like, my friend Bob is like, you know, you Mike. Stuff when, in the update. Like, I can't believe like, that the guy Bob who wrote your right wrote your Bob is like, you know, Mike. When I think of you, handsome comes to mind. <laughs> I just had to include that. <laughs> I can't believe it's still on there. I gotta go look at that. <laughs> I even updated that, and like, you know what I mean? You put it out there, and you just you don't look well, at. I mean, I mean, you also did a show on Fox where you guys interviewed Johnny Hendricks. That was cool. Oh, he's such a great guy. He's. Yeah. When I before I interviewed him, I, I'm like I don't know I, I I thought he was I didn't care for the guy much but then when I interviewed him he's actually a really good guy and he's another one of those guys that just liked to eat shitty and had to cut a ton of weight you know yeah, yeah. so I wonder he's, if he, he's, he's in Texas man that's just how they roll out <laughs> yeah, yeah, <everything's> <laughs> food to my everybody loves food in Texas man. First, thing, you, I, first thing, I, first thing, first thing that came to my mind when I got off the plane in Dallas, walking around, was Double D. <laughs> <laughs> it's like every, everywhere I look, Double D. Double D's and high hair. The, the higher the hair, the closer to God. That's what they say, man. Like, whoever said everything's bigger in Texas wasn't lying. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, cool, man. Great having you on the show. Oh, and I, I, I want to check out your show, actually, uh, this week. I was talking to James in the neighborhood. He wants to check it out, too. So, uh, what, Let what's me a, know. Just let me know. What's what's a good night? Is there any night in particular that's better than another for you? They're all great. No, what are you talking about? <laughs> okay. <laughs> good answer. <laughs> I mean, for you as in... Uh, you don't want to. You don't want to have. You don't want to waste space with us there. <laughs> no, no, no. Any night's fine. It's funny when people ask me that. It's like, well, because you, you know what? It is the thing about my. It's different every single night. You know, but just because you don't know the kind of audience you're gonna get and stuff, and, and sometimes I, I have to work real hard sometimes. You know, so uh, Mike's, gonna in a, Mike's gonna be in the middle of his gig, and I'm gonna stand up and yell out, "Get your hand out of my pocket!" <laughs> <laughs> okay, Malcolm X. <laughs> Let's see you work with that, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Let's test your ability to uh, think on the spot. <laughs> oh, man. No, any night's fine. Let me know. Yeah, okay, like, man. Yeah, I, I definitely will. I'll shoot cool. you an email afterwards. I, I definitely want to check it out. So anyway, folks, check out Mike Hammer at the Four Queens. Great guy. I'm sure it's a great show. And I'll, I'll report back on the show after I get a chance to check it out. Oh, great. <laughs> I'll report good, back in the, on, on, on my thing. show, on it's our good show. good thing no one's listening. I caught that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, we got at least 30, 40 people listening. No, you, no, trust I mean, me, I mean, I mean, you're right. No one is listening to this episode because you're on it. That's <laughs> timing, baby. It's all about timing. I, I look before I waste my time. You know what I mean? I mean normally, we get at least twenty thousand listeners. This episode, I mean, we'll be lucky if we Four. do. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what's funny though? I get asked to do so many things that people get pissed off. They're what? Why'd you go do that? And I'm like, because uh, they have people that actually listen to their show. I'm like, why? You know, I'm like, I'm like, I like what you do, but I'm not gonna. How can I? Go on this when you know what I'm saying. It's almost like meeting someone for a lunch for you well, know. Dude, I, I, you're right. I, I turned down interview requests not because I'm stuck up, just because of that reason. Yeah, exactly. I started realizing that I'm giving a lot of energy and it's not and not I'm not getting much benefit in return. Yeah. So I started just saying nope, I'm not available. And plus, I want to save that energy for our show. You know what sincere right. and I do. I rather yeah. do. It's I mean, like you're performing. I mean, you're performing for like one cat in the room. You know cats don't give a damn about anybody. <laughs> so you put you putting all this energy. The cat just like yeah, okay, I'm cleaning myself. <laughs> I mean, it's like, if I'm on three other podcasts per week, why don't we just do three other episodes of our own? You know, right, exactly. right. it's going to be more beneficial. And, and and you have control over it too. 
Well, I mean, I don't, I don't have lack of control in other people's. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be me, whether they like it or not. I mean, they can know. edit it. That part's true. They could, they can No, 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 no. I'm saying you have control over your own show. You know you, what you do, what you want to put out there. It's your control. Yeah, yeah that's true. They could do. You, you, you don't yeah, they're, they're trying to edit and clean it all up, and I was like, no, nah, I said fuck right there. I really did. No. To my, to my, I don't give a food, man. To my, I said you're a fucking douchebag right my, there, where you we're ask me what I think of you. We're gonna shut this mother. Crack it down like that's not what I said, man. Don't don't put what don't I insert get, words. I'm constantly getting called from people to do interviews, like you know, at my show or after my show or anything, you know, like that. And I'm like, and, and these are people I take a look. They have no following at all. And I'm like, what? It, it, so you just need me to build up your following? Ah, you figured it out. <laughs> no, not you guys. You no, guys I'm just not, no, not us. I'm talking about no, no but no, that's the formula. Well, that, that's what most of our peers in the podcast world do. They look for people that are hot numbers on other shows, and then they try to get them on their show. Mm-hmm. Like, like most people are probably sitting around listening to Rogan's show and looking at the YouTube views, and then go, oh, let's, let's get that. Person let's get that guy on the show. Yeah. It's right. like, no, we're not going to be just some ripoff artist of other people's show. Like my, my philosophy has always been, I want to find people that I've never heard on any other show yeah. come on our show. Yeah. Now, we had Dwayne Crawford, a guy who works at the Nevada SPCA. Nobody's ever heard of that guy. He's got no website. He's got no internet presence at all. He doesn't <laughs> have an email account. Very interesting guy, though. I went yeah. down there to rescue my latest dog, Petey, and I was talking to him. I was like, this is a fucking interesting guy. <laughs> I'd love to get him on the show. One of the girls who works at uh, Rejuvenize, that cryosana place, she was she used to work at the, the Cosmo Hotel, and she was telling me all the crazy stories she saw, all the things she saw happen there. And I was thinking, this girl would be great to get on our show. Again, it's another regular person. She doesn't have a website or a book or anything like that, but she's an interesting person. No, but it's, That's what I look for. Interesting content people. based. Yeah, you want good content. I want, I want interesting, real people. That's yeah. what I look for. Like When I think about getting someone on the show and I research <laughs> them, and if I, if I watch them in an interview where they're very measured and very careful with what they say, fuck that. You're not coming on the show. That's boring. It's boring as shit. We don't need that crap. I want real people. And then I always tell people, I'm like, look, you know, I want to have you come on the show, but we, it's got to be like this. You know, are you willing to talk about these stories and this? And they're like, okay, sure. Because if you're going to hold back and be all political and measured, then you know, we're not, we don't play that crap on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <Nope>. <clears throat> well, you know, uh-huh. I just want people to know before I, 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 I do leave, you guys, I want them to – I am the uh, – Record holder for Vanishing Panties at the Rhino. <laughs> that was all true. I think, I think we should have a lunch meeting there soon. <laughs> yeah, well, well, no, that's a lunch at least I'd enjoy. <laughs> I mean, now, now you realize they don't serve food there. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> Just pie. Just pie. Hey, man, I'm quick. <laughs> waiting, to, waiting to drop that one all week. <laughs> No, oh, cool, cool. seriously, great talking to you guys because uh, I, I do listen to the show, so that's a, a plus. Awesome, Thanks man. a lot, man. Thanks for coming it. on, spending so much time, man. <laughs> Looking forward to checking out your show. Thank you so much. Thanks, you guys. Right, take, take care, care man. All right, guys. Thank you. And that, again, is our friend Mike Hammer. Definitely just look up, but just put in Mike Hammer Vegas Show in Google. That's the easiest way to find him, and then you'll get information on his show at the Four Queens over there on Fremont Street. Yeah. And also, you can go to a, a website called Tickets for Tonight, and you can often get 25 to 50% off on shows. Yeah. And Tickets for Tonight have stations all over the Las Vegas Yes, trips. they do. We utilize those bad boys on numerous yeah, occasions. Yeah. I mean, we use it all the time, too. So, I mean, it's a, it's a great option. 
So anyway, check him out. And also, don't forget to support the show so we can keep, keep having informative guests, fun guests, real diversity. You know, we have a guy like Clarence who is not the most flamboyant guy. He's very, you know, he's very technical, very interesting, but he's not. He's just not a you know like a like a Steve Maxwell type personality or a Mike Hammer. But he's. But, and then we have someone like Mike Hammer, Matt Brown. You know, just a real variety of interesting people is really the the tone of the show. Like whenever people ask me, like you know what's What's the show all about? I go, it's interesting conversations with interesting people in, that are often inspiring. You know, that's yeah. really the way to, to sum up our show. So support it by using coupon code LLA. Go get 10% off the best nutrition supplements out there at MikeMahler.com. Don't even think about looking for another testosterone booster. There's nothing that comes close to mine. A natural testosterone booster is the best, by far the best. So go to MikeMahler.com and get that 10% off. And how about with you, man? Same thing, man. Use that same coupon code at NewWarriorTraining.com. You can get on any products over there, DVD, ebook, Cheerio Door, coffee stands, all that. So use that same coupon code. And also support the show by hopping over to Patreon.com. And this is my, I think this is the last week I'm going to spell it. Pay attention, people. <laughs> P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash LLA podcast. Become a monthly supporter of the show in that little box where it says support the show, where you see that number one, add some zeros behind it, one or many. Otherwise, oh. or otherwise, add five and start <laughs> off with five dollars, you know, each month to support the show, man. But, yeah, no, if you're going to leave that one, put a zero that. behind it. Or someone spells out something. I think of my grandfather. Like, whatever, we're at this restaurant and this, uh, <laughs> I was ordering a dessert called the Vermont and I was like nine years old. So I yeah. wasn't I wasn't enunciating well. So the lady is like, what's that? What, what did you say? Vermont. And, my, and then my <laughs> grandfather goes, Vermont, V-E-R-M-O-N-T. <laughs> And the lady is like this Scottish lady is rolling her eyes. And looking back, I was like, man, I don't even want to think about how many meals you had spat in and worse. You know, could be such a dick to like uh, the working people, which is never a smart. Oh man. <laughs> oh, so yeah, man. Like, what is this, a script spelling bee? What are you doing? Man? <laughs> oh man. So yeah, people. She, she, she should have been like F U F U E F F Y. F. <laughs> so, yeah, folks, that, that's the second option you can do to support the show by heading over to Patreon. And the third option is to share, rate the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and whatever you listen to the show on. And share and, it. You know, finally, if, if, you haven't, if you've been listening to the show for a long time and you just haven't gotten around to supporting us, you know, you're not buying products, you're not leaving reviews, you're not sharing episodes, <laughs> next time you go to your doctor as part of your checkup, Ask your doctor if it's possible to remove your head from your ass. I got head nuts. I got head nuts. I mean, plastic surgery is pretty revolutionary now, so there there are some options. So just make sure to ask your doctor about that. It's my, my sore crowbars and WD forty because that's all you really need to get your head out of your ass. <laughs> just lube it up and pop it out. Okay, <laughs> things you're not doing in your private life. Just do that right then. Okay. So on that note, <laughs> that's wrapping up for this week. We'll catch you guys next time around. And also, wow. the, one last one on a more serious note. <laughs> on a more important note, one last thing, people, make sure that you head over to GoFundMe and, you know, donate and support our buddy Jace, man. Help him kick cancer's ass. And that's all I got to say about that. All right.